unexpectedly, the first big fish is off the board and extended in a new city, in a new state, actually uh, in a different country. Uh, that guy being Bo Horvath going from Canada to the U.S. We have all the details on that, as well as a little bit on the NHL All-Star Game. And then weeks after the All-Star Game, as we all know, the trade deadline is approaching. And I think it's safe to say things are about to heat up within the next couple of weeks. We try our best to preview what could happen next in episode 351 of the Lazy Smut Podcast, which starts right now. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. All right. Uh, where to begin? What madness uh, shall we uh, start with, uh, Brett? Uh, All-Star game? Uh, yep. Maybe some trades? Yeah, well, I, I think you uh, you hit it there. It's almost like you have a cheat sheet here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I have a lineup right in yeah, front of me. It's this like, scripted. Exactly. It's like you can see the future. Um yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start off with the All Star game. I know that Steve hasn't watched, uh, didn't watch it uh, the last two days. Not not as close as previous yeah. games. I did see the highlights, and I know yeah. your boy Pasternak looked good. So yeah, yeah, it, you know the skills competition was kind of boring this year, which is a surprise because that's usually what I look the most forward to. Um, it was funny though because it's like, uh, so I'll start off with there was like maybe like two standouts or three things that I'll mention here. Um, one, uh, so in the semi-finals for the accuracy challenge, which is my favorite challenge, um, McDavid, he hit the four plates in 10 seconds and it was like the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Um, and then in the finals, what they did was they, uh, they put, uh, like the two, like, uh, it was like McDavid, Kadri, um, I forget the other two. Um, Brock Nelson was one. I think oh, wait, he and actually Panarin. won the thing. Yeah, yeah. And Brock Nelson ended up winning, um, and Panarin was the other one. But what they did was yeah. is they put both nets together so that both McDavid and Kadri were shooting at the same time, and so was Panarin and Brock Nelson were shooting at the same time, and then they did the same when Kadri and Brock Nelson were uh, shooting. But it was interesting because what happened was um, I was like, when they were doing this, I was more focused on McDavid because I wanted to see that again of like, oh, of course McDavid's going to do it. But what happened is, is that McDavid kind of hesitated for the four, like he got all three right away and then he hesitated a little bit um, for the fourth one. And of course he hit it, but I wasn't paying attention. And so weren't the announcers because Kadri got it before McDavid did and everyone yeah. else I was so focused on McDavid getting it because I was like I was just like I need to see McDavid do this again that I was just like oh right Kadri he just does it right away and so it was kind of anticlimactic that McDavid didn't end up winning after that first round when he had like four four di- he got four dishes in 10 seconds um that's got to be some kind of record I don't think they didn't mention it but 
Um, it was incredible. Just another example of how good Carnage yeah. McDavid is and how much better he is at everything than yeah. we'll ever be. Even, but even then, yeah. he's still human and he can't win all the awards. And uh, <laughs> that that one, like just that slow hesitation uh, yeah. was... It was, was just, a glimmer of hope for Kadri, and he took it. So, it was, it like, that's just how much respect you have for McDavid is that even when he didn't win, all the eyes were focused on McDavid because you just, like, yep. and no disrespect to Kadri, of course, he ended up win, uh, winning that, that battle. But, like, it was just, it was just so funny because, like, even the announcers were, like, they had assumed that McDavid had won to the point where they're like, oh, McDavid was incredible. And then they realized, they're like, wait a second, Kadri scored before. <laughs> like they, they, even the announcers <laughs> thought McDavid McDavid would have won. to go to the bathroom and he asked Kadri to take a spot. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and what, what's even funnier is that Kadri didn't even w- end up winning the whole thing. It was Brock Nelson. So yeah, it was just, it was Brock Nelson, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was, it was just really funny how like it works like that. But, um, the other things that I will mention, yeah, the skills competitions were sweet. Um, Crosby and Ovechkin were like a pair this whole weekend, um, or I guess Friday and Saturday. Um, and they did this, uh, they brought, um, or Ovechkin's son, who's like four years old. I'm sure we'll hear about him in approximately, uh, let's see here, uh, or approximately 15 years from now when he's getting drafted in the NHL, but, um, he, uh, they did a Crosby and Ovechkin, like, sort of, like, breakaway goal type thing, and they gave it to, um, Ovi Jr., um, and, oh, by the way, Luongo was the, the guest, um, the guest goalie in net, and that was, uh, yeah. that was cute, uh, the, like, Perfect choice. yeah, Luongo, like, purposely, uh, missed <laughs> on the shot, um, and it was, it was just cute. Um, and then, um, oh, and then there was also, like, Pasternak did, a, like, a Happy Gilmore-type skit. Um, and Matthew Kachuk, of course, because this whole thing was in Florida, he brought on Brady Kachuk. Like, he had, like, this, like, beach theme, basically. He brought on Brady Kachuk, who was, like, who had, like, a lawn chair on the ice and like just chilling and then they brought on Barkov who was wearing like a lifeguard uh jacket um and then there was um oh and Luongo of course was there as well so like it was just like pandered all to Florida um and um <laughs> and they gave they gave Luongo a like um like a pool pool um I don't know what the phrase is but like a pool paddle type thing um, yeah. Instead of a stick, <laughs> and and yeah, so Matthew Kachuk ended up scoring, but it was it was just uh, it was kind of like he was fully pandering to the crowd there, which is what you're supposed to do at the All Star Game. Um, I mean, yeah. like everyone's just like, oh, Connor McDavid yeah. has no personality, or the Crosby and Ovechkin, they're too serious yeah. uh, all the time. They don't yep. they don't have as much fun as they were like they used to. And yep. Then the All Star Game rolls around. There, just they just let loose and have fun. Yeah, yeah. And you also and, had like fourteen first timers uh, at yep. this year's All Star Game, seven of which were in the Metro. Yep. So like, you had a lot of young guys just soaking it all in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's like I mean I'll get into it soon, but it was just uh, it was kind of like it was like that was kind of cool that just seeing like Crosby and Ovechkin after years of this like uh, I mean I think it was more of a media driven rivalry. 
Um, of course, they stay in the they're in the same division and all that stuff. But um, and not to say that they're not competitive at all, but it was just like incredible um, that they were there, and it was kind of cool just to see the Kachucks hang out and have some personality as well. Um, but but what was funny is like the guest. There was one guest who. Um, who kind of like tanked the Kachuk's um, goal, um, and uh, and the, so Crosby and Ovechkin ended up winning, uh, which was kind of. Uh, which was well, kind you of always fun. go for the wholesome moment, right? Yeah, exactly. And like you know, I it, it, what I will say is it was kind of like other than that stuff, everything else was very boring, and you could tell like especially for the speed challenge like. Like first off, Kale McCarr tripped and fell, um, which I mean isn't necessarily. It's the only way he loses that. I know, I know, exactly. But like Larkin, you could tell wasn't even trying, which is odd because Larkin did win the speed challenge before, um, and um, you know it was just like a lot of the guys just weren't really trying the the fastest skate, um, so that was kind of tough. Also, I'm not really like a golf guy, but they had some like golf uh, like puck type event and that was extremely boring um so i um so yeah overall it wasn't that good it kind of like uh allows the players to like kind of like harness the skills that you don't really see like nick suzuki killed that event like he was good yeah but it was i i guess it's just more that like you're you're right i mean it wasn't the most thrilling event yeah, yeah. Outside the box, but it wasn't. No, I mean, I, I think, really like, it was, it kind of reminded me of, like, that little, like, card challenge, blackjack challenge that they had last year um, at the yeah. All-Star game for Vegas. It's like they're trying to, like, set, like, do something related to the city that they're in. So, I would yeah. guess, so I, I get that. It was just more, like, golf and hockey are the most opposite sports. <laughs> So it's more personal. But it's also yeah. very Florida. That's yeah. what people do. I know, I know. And and not to mention, like, other than the sticks that are involved and a lot of hockey players play golf in the offseason, it was, like, that's the only thing that's comparable to hockey. So that part was just like, um, okay, what are we doing here? Um, as for the actual game, it was um, it was pretty cool because, like, as, as we were just saying, like, the Brady and Matthew Kachuk being on the same line – was pretty cool. He was with Barkov, and it was just kind of nice uh, to see them there. Um, but um, it was also kind of weird because Pasternak's. I, I guess this is this has always been the case for these All Star games, especially when they have them all in the same division. But um, Pasternak's line was with uh, Kucherov and Suzuki, and it was just strange being like, okay, I guess I'm rooting for with for Suzuki and Kucherov, and it's like that's the only time that I'll be rooting for those guys, uh, just because the Bruins are in the same division. But there's that, um, and then uh, so yeah, it was cool like that. Uh, we'll get into the Horvat trade, but uh, Horvat did make it to the All Star game. He played for the Pacific Division, um, and Horvat did end up. Uh, being on the same line as uh, Pedersen, so that was kind of that was kind of sweet moment or touching moment because that's the last time Horvat and Peterson will be playing to, on the same team in all likelihood. Yeah. Um, and he also had an Islanders logo on his yeah. shoulder patch, so it <laughs> had even more awkwardness. Just, just so you know, awkward, yeah. the, the trade is in effect now. He was yeah. spotted 
in the Islanders reverse retro jersey during the skills competition. Yeah. By the way, I approve that just to like yep. yeah, well, remind I'll... everyone when they look back at this event, like, oh yeah, these jerseys yep. were a thing. I forgot about them. Right, right, yeah. All the players were in reverse jerseys on the skills competition. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that move too. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, there, there was that. And then lastly, I mean, I just mentioned this before, but Crosby and Ovechkin were also on the same line with Adam Fox. It's just like, as you mentioned, like the, like a lot of first timers in this event. And it just like makes me like, re like it got me kind of sad in a way. Cause it's just like, I remember the days when Crosby and Ovechkin were the young guys and now they're like the oldest guys by far. And it was just like, it's just so like, like just to the fact I was looking at this. Um, so Crosby was drafted in 2005. That's the same birth year as Connor Bedard. Um, and like to, to, or crazy. it's crazy. Yes. Or to the fact that Jack Hughes, who's on that Metro, who was on that Metro team, he was drafted in 2019. He was born in 2001, so that means that Jack Hughes was four years old when Crosby was drafted. Um, which I mean, when Henrik Lund yeah. Lundqvist was in the same rookie class yeah. as Crosby, I think he was drafted in the year 2000. Right, right. So Hughes wasn't even born yet. Yeah, so like a lot of these guys that were drafted in like in that little time frame. Like, they grew up watching Crosby and Ovechkin be, like, the legitimate stars. And it's just so, like, yeah. you know, it just made me feel so, like, first off, it's, like, it makes me feel sad that, like, as a 31-year-old, I'm, like, oh, God. These like, guys have been playing like, the league for half yeah, time on this earth, yeah. Right, right. Or the fact that, like, it's, like, wait a second, I've been watching hockey forever where, like, these, like, I remember when these guys were rookies. Not to mention the fact yeah, that, like... Past, past, uh, Bergeron was 03 draft pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And wasn't at the game, but still. No, I know, I know. But, like, it's just so, like... It's just, like, you have to think that, like, you know, someone like Adam Fox, who's who's pretty young himself, but, like, mm -hmm. he's he, he probably watched Crosby and Ovechkin play um, in their early times, and then all of a sudden he's on there, like, he's not only, like, of course, he's he's... He's good in his own right, but like just the fact that he's on their same like the same line at an All Star game is just like it's got to be such a surreal moment for all these players who are in there where it's just like you're literally right next to living legends, um, and Connor McDavid as well. But yeah, I, Rasmus Dalin yeah. uh, was born in the year two thousand, yep. and Eric Carlson was drafted in two thousand eight. Yep. And he first entered the league in 2009, 2010. Yep. So, like, when Rasmus Stalin was 9 or 10, he was watching Eric Carlson play. And Eric Carlson, um, who knows, this could be his final All-Star yeah, game yeah. that he ever appears in. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Eric Carlson's another one for sure. But not on, I don't, like, I don't think we'll ever see another Crosby or Ovechkin ever. So, um, yeah. but, yeah, it's just, like, you know, I, I kind of was hoping that they would do something where, because this is, in all likelihood, I know that Crosby's really good still, and Ovechkin is, like, you know, he's chasing that goal record. But I'd imagine that both Crosby and Ovechkin are thinking, like, okay, this is probably our last All-Star game because they can probably, like, pretend to be injured during this time. And, you know, the game has been passed to uh, the Connor McDavid's of the world. Um, so I was kind of hoping that they would do something with Ovechkin and Crosby with McDavid or Kale McCarr or like bring in like 
like some kind of like symbolic like passing the torch type thing um although i guess that would be kind of disrespectful for both Crosby and ovechkin but um i thought there would be like i was kind of half hope even though i was of course rooting for the atlantic division i was kind of hoping that the metro would win and the pacific would win just so that we'd have like this like crosby and mcdavid type thing uh but uh that ended up not happening so um so yeah i, I feel like this might end up being like you know I, I i feel like i shouldn't say this but because i'm gonna be eating my words but i feel like this might be crosby's and ovechkin's last all-star game um not that they're not good right now, and I could see like they're they're definitely gonna prove me wrong, but um, but I could totally see it where they're just like they just had it with like <laughs> they're tired, they're old men now. Um, but yeah, it just um, anyways, it's just it's just crazy um, to to think of. I think like, they're just yeah. embracing every moment as it comes yeah. in case it's their last moment together. True. Um, I think Crosby and Ovechkin. Both have a few more good years left in yeah. them, and they'll probably do this again. But, you know, you never know when it's your last one True. together. So they just try to make the most of it as best Especially, they could. And when you're in Florida, you might as well have some fun, I suppose. Yeah, no, no that, that's a good point. I guess it's just Also, more, the All-Star jerseys, rate them. They're so good. I, I guess I'm just thinking that, like, not to say that they don't deserve it and they could. It's just more that I feel like because they're old... They probably do want to take, like, yeah, you're right. They do have a couple more years left in them. But just because they're old guys, they probably do want this rest um, in the middle of the year instead of going to this all-star game. They've already given enough to NHL. Like, I wouldn't blame them if yeah. they and decide I to do that. and I think they're at but... peace with, like, where their careers are exactly. at. I think the only thing Ovechkin hasn't done that he'd probably like to do is win Olympic gold for Russia. Oh, yeah. That's about it. Well, and break the goals record, but yes. And right. also break the goals record. Those are the only two things. Yep. But outside of that, he's got his cup. Yep. He's got endless rocket shards. Yep. I mean, what else is there for him to accomplish other than yeah. those two things? And Crosby's got three cups. Yep, for he's sure. He's got a couple of Olympic golds. Like, he's the most, arguably the most decorated Canadian athlete that there is. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're just at the stage where they're just enjoying every single moment. Yeah. Like Sidney Crosby at the end of this year, he's going to be 36, it's <laughs> which is crazy. And Ovechkin's uh, slightly older than him, so yeah. he's 36, 37, soon to yeah. be right. 38 it's, down the road, man. It's funny, it's funny how I'm saying this, and I just noticed that, well, first off, Crosby has 60 points in 49 games, low-key. Yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he's yep. eighth in points right now. And... Um, Ovechkin has 54 points in 52 games, so it's like, they're still very good. It's not like they... And another 30-goal yeah. season. Yeah. I mentioned another 30-goal season. Right, right, that too, yeah. So it's just like, it's like, you know, I'm saying like, oh, this is probably their, they're done yet, and yeah, of course, they're not as good as, like, Connor McDavid is right now, but, um, but, like, still, like, being past their prime, they're still pretty good players. Like, I would want them on my team. Um, so... Um, yeah, it just it just shows how good they can be or how good they are still, even though they aren't as good as they once were, um, like ten years ago, which is just crazy to say. Um, okay. Anyways, uh, we should probably get going on. T I I guess it's a good segue because Ovechkin's teammates um, got paid as well. That's the other thing that we were going to talk about before we get into the trade deadline. Uh, preview yeah. stuff 
Um, Dylan Strome signs with the Capitals uh, with a five five year five million extension. Um, annual average value there, um, and and uh, Sony Milano um, also uh, signed with the Capitals. Uh, that one is a three year one point nine million per. Um, so yeah, I mean like both. Both Strom and Milano are having decent seasons. Um, and, you know, like, it's just interesting because I guess we're going to get into, like, the Islanders cap-friendly cap page as well. But it's just interesting how, like, they the Capitals have Ovechkin for four more years. They have Backstrom for three more years. Kuznetsov and Oshie also for three more years. Um... Oh, I just noticed that pretty much all the defensemen for the Capitals, um, except for John Carlson, are UFAs or RFAs next year. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. so Orlov, Jensen, TBR, Alexiev, Gustafsson, Fairberry, and Matt Irwin are all free agents. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So they, like they've they built their core along like these lines of just long term contracts. Um, and it's just, um, sometimes, it, I don't think it's necessarily worked for them. So it is a little interesting that they gave Dylan Strom five years, five million. So they have him for six more years, because if you don't include, or if you include this season that he's on. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just an interesting uh, dynamic that, like, because you, you would, like, I don't love when teams do that, when they just, like, tack on contracts for the core because you know you it doesn't give you a ton of flexibility um also not to mention the fact that laviolette um there was a couple of like moment games where they healthy scratched dylan strom um and uh it was unclear why they did that um and also like the fact that nicholas backstrom's back so i thought like they would bring in dylan strom because like maybe they would limit dylan strom's playing time because of Backstrom, but I guess currently they have Strom with Ovechkin and Connor Sherry, and then they have Nicholas Backstrom with Marcus Johansson and TJ Oshie. Um, Strom has 36 points in 52 games, so that's not bad. Um, And Sonny Milano has 22 points in 40 games um, with uh, 13 minutes of average ice time at that. So that's, that's that's not terrible considering the time on ice that he has but yeah it's just so it's a little strange that they give they gave Dylan Strom a long-term contract like that but um but yeah I I feel like the Capitals now are just like they're trying to get Ovechkin that goal record like they don't really care about anything else (laughs) and that's that's their only like goal in life literally is to get Ovechkin that goal record um, so, so that's what they've been doing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like spiraled in a way, but yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting contract. Yeah. So the, the thing with Dylan Strom, I don't think the contract's necessarily that bad. I mean, you're looking yeah. at a guy that for a second straight season, is on pace for 57 points in uh, 82 games season, if he were to play all 82. And the thing is he was poorly utilized in Chicago got off to a horrendous start last year and then he was fine he he got his group back after the series of changes that happened within the blackhawks uh they were 
too stupid to really give him a contract offer. And uh, the Caps take a chance on him. And in a top six role, uh, fringe top nine, I'd say he's done pretty well. Uh, to the point where I don't think this is much of an overpay. If you get a guy that can average around 55 to 60 points in a full NHL season, that's good quality secondary scoring for a former top five pick. So I think in terms of the contract, it's fine. Sonny Milano might be a bit of an overpay. It depends on where they see him moving forward, especially when it's not just a one-year 1.9 million, it's uh, three years times 1.9. So the Sonny Milano contract is a little bit suspicious there. But uh, the, the one thing that concerns me is how good are the caps going to be like over the next couple of years, to, no matter what they do. Like you yeah. mentioned, all of the defensemen that are free agents, uh, there are one, two, three, four, five pending UFAs and uh, two pending RFAs, the RFAs being Alexiev and Furberry, uh, Erwin Gustafson, uh, TBR, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Nick Jensen, and Dmitry Orlov are the pending UFAs. Um, I would say Orlov and Jensen, if you're going to try to keep as much of the current team together to keep your playoff chances alive for the foreseeable future, Orlov and Jensen are must signs. Like you have to keep them around. Jensen is underrated for what he does. Yeah, and you definitely need to keep year. him in the fold. Uh, you have Connor Brown, uh, his cap hits coming off the books. Same with Carl Hagelin, maybe they're not back and that creates a bit of cap space to keep Orlov and Jensen there. But they also have Lars Eller as a pending free agent. Same with Gardner Hathaway, same with Connor Sheary. Same with Marcus Johansson, same with Nico Bay-Kubel. Uh, and then beyond that, you have Anthony Mantha and Tom Wilson coming off the books. So you're going to need money to keep them, or you're going to figure out, uh, well, uh, what do we do with these assets, which on paper are pretty good, but uh, you're looking at guys approaching their 30s, similar to guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Kuznetsov. They're nearing the age of 30, and Dylan Strom is 25 now, so he's on his way to 30, slowly but surely. Uh, a lot of the deaf guys that I mentioned are in their 30s as well. Outside of Obey Kubel, he's 26. Milano's 26 right now. So there's just a lot of question marks for the Capitals in terms of what their ceiling is. I think at best, the Capitals barely squeak into the playoffs and they're an easy first-round exit to me. That's what yeah. they are. Um, even even if Darcy Kemper plays out of his mind, I, I just think the Metro is too tough for really for them to to punch above their pay grade. So, I mean, I it doesn't really surprise me given the fact that they've already said as long as Ovechkin's here, we're going to we're going to do our best to make this team as good as it can be. But if 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 they were going to make their team better for the long term, I think a retool would probably be in order, but I don't see them doing that. So, they're rolling with the punches until Ovechkin retires and then they deal with the consequences after that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement here that it's like their cap situation's not great, um, and they're kind of in the middle-of-the-road team. Like, they're not really contenders. They're not really rebuilding, but, like... Yeah, they're I, too good not to be catastrophically bad and go for Bedard. But the th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the thing here is... I mean, I, I guess they could, like... Like, let's say they miss the playoffs. I guess, uh, actually, they 
probably wouldn't. And they missed the, the playoffs. They barely missed the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're true. in the NHL's mediocrity and yeah, firmly yeah. in there. But like the thing is, is that because they don't have a ton of cap space, they can't really do anything. Like they can't. Like let's say they do want to rebuild. Like what do you do? I don't know. Because uh, they have so many guys that are worth with value to trade that they could trade like yeah, they you can't have too trade. much term to yeah, trade away exactly. but if yeah. they're competing and, 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 and that's and that's the right and that's the problem right? exactly it's not like ottawa but, a few years ago where you had carlson duchene and stone all on expiring yeah contracts. but on the on the counterpoint if they're competing which is also a fair thing that they could do um i don't know what they do either because they have <laughs> they don't have any cap space so they can't really like yeah. add a Jacob Chikrin or anything like that. I mean, I guess maybe they could. Actually, now I think I talked about prospect into it, pool but... also isn't that deep as well. Yeah. So, uh, so it's just um, so yeah, they're kind of in like a weird no man's land. I mean, I'm not sure yeah. what they're going to do. Um, okay. Uh, so we are now going to start talking about. The, the big trade that everyone's talking about, the surprise trade that no one saw coming. Um, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Bo Horvat um, gets traded to the New York Islanders. Um, I, I guess it, the only surprise is that it is to the Islanders. Um, yeah. But uh, the Canucks end up getting Anthony Beauvillier, uh, Atu, Aturatu, um, and a 2023 first-round pick. It's a conditional pick. That pick becomes an unprotected 2024 first-round pick if it is in the top 12. I believe the Islanders can defer it. Like, let's say it's, like, the sixth sixth overall pick or something like that. They could probably say, like, you know what? We're going to be better next year. Um, or, like, they could say, like, you know, the Canucks can, can have it because we might <laughs> end up stocking the next year. This um, draft is also pretty deep as yeah, well, so exactly. they probably figure we'll just we'll just take the pick and yeah. whatever pick they get, right. even if we suck, at least yeah. we get a pick that we feel like we can use down the road. Yep. Um, and this was so this trade was happened like a week ago. Um, this actually like you know like you would I feel like whenever like these big guys are always like get traded, you think you expect that there's going to be a lot more to it. Than, than what ends up being the deal. But, like, this trade isn't actually that, like, bad in terms of return for the Canucks. Um, you have Anthony Bovillier. It's like, sure, he's not Bo Horvat, but who is? Um, but, he, you know, he's still, like, he still put up decent amount of points. Uh, 20 points in 49 games, given the fact that the Islanders are notorious for being a low-scoring team. Um and uh, so, and he's a winger, so he can help out JT Miller or Elias Peterson. Um, so, so that's you know that's someone that can help out. Plus, Bovillier is like he does more than just score points. He can hit. He's defensively responsible. So I like that pick. Aturatu, um, we've mentioned before, but he's uh, before twenty the twenty twenty two draft. He was the consensus first overall pick. But then, um, but then he struggled his draft year. Sorry, his 2021 was um, his, his, he was the consensus. Um, and then he, uh, he really took off after that. Um, and I guess he kind of like used that to motivate himself. The Islanders drafted him in the second round and 
Um, and then he's done really well in the AHL as well. So, um, so that's not like, you know, he's not your ordinary prospect. Like it, it does feel like it's something that, um, that could work out. Um, and then as for the first round pick, um, yeah, that, that kind of like, you know, the Canucks, um, yeah, it's, it is unprotected, but, and as good as Bo Horvat is, I'm not sure if this puts them, the Islanders, over the top and makes them, like, a, a team to be scared of, <laughs> especially in the uh, Metro Division, um, where there's, like, a lot of good teams there. So so it is very possible that the Islanders could still miss the playoffs um, and, and, like, or the next two years. Like, this, this might not make or break the, the Islanders. Um, as for, um, as for the Islanders, uh, or in terms of the Islanders side of things, um, Bullhorvet, of course, having said everything that I just said, Bullhorvet is a very good player. Uh, he's, I, I Steve alluded to this a, a few weeks ago, that Bullhorvet is, like, one of the best face-off guys, um, which, uh, something that Matthew Barzal is not. So you automatically are better at the face-off dot, which is always a positive, of course. Um, currently, they had like the first practice lines, and it's Horvat and Barzal and Bailey on the first line. They moved Barzal to the right wing. And then in the second line is Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Kyle Palmieri. Um, apparently, that second line was um, has been the line that... Uh, that uh, why am I blanking on the coach's name? But... Um, that the coach really likes, and they're the like Lee Nelson and Palmieri are good together. I thought that they would try to like make it so that it's like a Crosby and Malkin type situation where they have the, both stars on separate lines, and so you make it so that it's not one line dependent team. Not to take anything away from Brock Nelson or Anders Lee, but um, but yeah, I guess I guess that can definitely you know just the fact that. Barzal is struggling on the face-off dot, and you can get some in place someone like Bo Horvat in in the system and get him, you know, and you can that can also work too. And Brock Nelson and Anders Lee are pretty good players too, so it's like that is kind of scary. But um, and also I should mention that uh, Horvat did so end up signing with the with the Islanders just now, um, an eight year deal worth $8.5 million. Um, so, uh, which is just interesting cause the, I mean, we were just talking about the capitals and how many players they have on long-term contracts. The Islanders have Barzal, Anders Lee, um, John Gabriel Peugeot, uh, Bo Horvat now, Casey Sezikis, Ross Johnston, who I've never even heard of, uh, Ryan Pulak, Adam Pellick, all on long-term contracts, um, and it, that's that's kind of insane to me. But <laughs> that you know, I I don't think Bo Horvat like Bo Horvat's having a great season year, um, you know, this or the first half of the year. But um, but that is kind of an insane. I mean, I I guess I expected as much that he would get this amount, but is kind of a long-term deal, which is kind of crazy. Um, when, when Lou was asked about this, um, he said, uh, this is according to Stephen Ro Stephen Rossner, who's a 
uh, Islanders beat reporter for the Hockey News. Uh, he said, um, Lou said, ended up saying, it's too long and it's too much money, which is really funny because this is the perfect Lou Lamarillo quote. If you've ever heard stories about Lou Lamarillo, like he's just a cranky old guy. And also just the funny fact of the fact that like, yeah, Lou, you signed this guy. <laughs> if you're complaining about it being too long and too much money, you signed him. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, my, my thought process was is that it was a lot to give up if you're not going to, like, just for one half year, Bo Horvat. So it just made sense that the Islanders were going to extend him. Um, so, so I guess it makes sense from that standpoint. But... It's just, um, it like, because they already traded so much, and it, I don't know. It, it feels like Bo Horvat probably wouldn't, I don't know. I guess Bo, uh, Bo Horvat couldn't have done it. But it is a, so you, you never really know what, before, like, a player plays a game for the team, so you don't know their impact just yet. But, um, but I, I feel like just after that trade, it was something that the Islanders had to do because, Otherwise, the trade made no sense because um, you don't trade that much for a rental. Yeah, and um, as we'll probably talk about in our trade deadline preview, yep. now that Bo Horvat has signed, you're looking at Dylan Larkin and his asking yep. price and maybe looking at David Pasternak and Alex Dabrinkin and Timo Meyer and what their potential value is. They're going to point to Horvat's contract and say, if this guy got $8.5 million, then I'm worth at least this. Yep. And uh, that number is probably going to be higher than what Horvat's making. So, right. Um, that's, yeah. that's also that's something point. to think about. And I'm sure every Leafs fan is going to be like, this impacts the Leafs to some degree. Yeah. Well, every time. to that, like Larkin, I can see. But, like, I, I mean, I feel like Pasternak and Debrinkat are younger than Horvat. And they're wingers. It's a slightly different situation, but yes, I I do agree with what you're saying. True, but they have produced more consistent yeah. numbers than and they, formats, and they so will like they're at least worth Horvat's value. Yeah, and, and and they both will definitely make more than what Horvat's making. Yeah. Um, on the anyway, uh, taking a look at Bo Horvat, the player, and what he brings, uh, career numbers, which is part of the risk. So prior to this year, he was known as like a fifty-five to. 60-ish point producer over an 82-game season. Uh, the past two seasons, he's surpassed 30 goals. He had 31 in 70 games last year, 31 in 49 this year. A 90-point pace uh, jump from his 61-point pace last year. Um, his shooting percentage in particular is ridiculous. His high was 16% last year. This year, it's uh, stunning 21.7%. And this is a guy that's only shot the puck 143 times this year. Last year, he was nearing 200. A few years before that, I think he had 227 shots one year um, in Vancouver. That was uh, 2018-19 when he had 27 goals. Uh, and he's been a reliable point producer on the power play, which is something I think that when you look at the Islanders and you think and you look at their kind of bland offense, uh, the, the power play numbers aren't really super sexy. And yet, Bo Horvat uh, is a master at scoring power play goals. In 2017-18, he had 10. In 2019-20, uh, in just 69 games, 
uh, nice. He had 12 power play goals. Last season he had 13. This year he already has 11. And he can also score he can also score a fair amount of shorthanded goals and points as well. But like I said, the trademark is faceoff wins. Bo Horvat is 56% in the dot this year. He's won 625 draws. So it's not one of those situations like, oh, well, it's because he doesn't get too many faceoffs. He's taking a fair amount. And last year, he won 841 draws for a success rate of 57%. One year, in fact, he nearly had 1,100 faceoff wins, if you can believe it. And he, uh, and he won 53.7% uh, of those draws that year. Uh, for years, he's been a guy that's averaged over three minutes per game in the power play. Again, I don't know how that impacts his numbers when he gets to Long Island, but who cares? He's shown that he can do that. And in all situations, he's probably still going to average 19 to 20 minutes a game. So assuming that Bo Horvat's production doesn't dip down, assuming that the numbers this year are what you get from Horvat moving forward with the offense as it's currently constructed, he's only 27 years old, so... I don't think age is a factor at the moment. He's soon to be 28 in April. So I think overall, Bo Horvat is what they need. Does it push the envelope? Does it make them an instantly better team? In my opinion, no. But that's why I want, that's why I was going to argue before the show today when we found out he was extended, is a lot of this deal for the Islanders hinges on Bo Horvat signing a contract extension. Yep. And that's happened. So in theory, there is still some risk, but at the very least, you know you have Bo Horvat for longer than this year. You can invest in him moving forward, and this is also huge because it's not a case of, oh, the your Islanders couldn't sign John Tavares. Right, uh, right. I guess we'll try for Tony Panarin. Okay, we'll try for Johnny Gutierrez. Okay, maybe <laughs> not. Uh, we'll try for Nazem Kadri. Okay, maybe not. Maybe yep. they weren't even trying for Nazem Kadri. Some reports dispute that. Uh, but now they got Bo Horvat and they extended him. He has committed to this cause. Uh, he's changed his jersey number, abiding by Lule Morello's rules. Uh, so you know that um, he, he's already bought into the plan before he's even played a game with the team. He's already got a contract extension in place. So he's ready to be a part of this team moving forward. And when you're a free agent and you're picking your next destination, you're looking at, hmm, they have Bar they have Matt Barzell, they have Bo Horvat, they have one of the best goalies in the league in Ilya Sorokin, they have Pelican Pulak, who are probably the most underrated defensive tandem in the league. They have something going there, those awesome. uh, Islanders. I like to join in on that. And they yep. also have a, pretty much a brand new building, too. Right, right. So... So I, I think there is a bit of an appeal. The problem is moving forward. I don't think the Devils are going to take a step back. I think they are for real. They're going to be a th continuous threat for years to come. Same thing with the Rangers. Same thing with uh, the Hurricanes down the road. And you don't know what Pittsburgh and Washington are going to do. So if you're the New York Islanders, you obviously need more than this as a stepping stone. And I think part of the reason why the Canucks chose the Islanders is because they probably thought this team might not be as good as they think they are either this year or next year. So we are comfortable with taking yep. this first round pick because it could be a top 10 pick. It could be a top 15. At the very least, it's higher than, I don't know, a first round pick from Boston or a first round pick from Tampa Bay or a first round pick from Vegas or 
insert whatever team was interested in Bo Horvat, maybe even Detroit. Mm. Maybe they even think Detroit could have a, a lower draft pick uh, than than the Islanders do. So I think in the grand scheme of things, the Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks are probably confident that the Islanders probably, by acquiring Bo Horvat, it won't be enough to dig themselves out of whatever pain is coming, yep. and they're just taking a chance with that pick. And we'll get to the um, Islanders, uh, or we'll get to the Canucks stuff in a second, but I just wanted to uh, point out a couple of things. I heard on the Winged Wheel podcast from Brad Crisco, he was kind enough to point out the combined age of the Islanders forwards. Uh, Barzell, uh, one of the youngest, is 25. Anders Lee, their captain, is 32. Brock Nelson is 31. Josh Bailey is 33. Uh, Pajot is 30 years old. Uh, Paul Mary, 32. Bo Horvat, I said, 27, soon to be 28. Casey Sezikis is 31, and he's got four more years beyond this year. Uh, Matt Martin is 33. Uh, Ross Johnston, 28, and Simon Holmstrom is only 21, but he hasn't been in the game a long time. And in terms of NHL games, uh, probably the most experienced is Zach Parisi, and he's 38. Yep. So if you compare the forward group in terms of their age to the likes of the Devils, the likes of the Hurricanes, the likes of the Rangers, you need speed to keep up with those guys and for a full 82 games, you could question that maybe the Islanders can't do that. So um, that's that's going to be something that uh, also holds them back. Even if this Horvath contract lives up to the hype, they've got a lot of money connected to a lot of 30-plus-year-old forwards. And the ones that are going to be expiring in the next little bit are Josh Bailey, are Matt Martin. This year, Zach Parisi, but he's only making $750,000. And at the end of July 2024, or sorry, at the start of July 2024, guess whose name is going to be up for a new contract? Basically, the guy who's been stopping a lot of pucks for them and is basically the face of the Islanders' defense, Ilya Sorokin. And if you can't keep him, well, then you're really in a pickle. Yep. No, that's a good point. Um well, the one thing that I will push back on is that because um, you you were saying that yeah I do agree with you that in terms of like trading partners for the Canucks on Horvat um, and if you're going to pick someone on the East that needs a center, um, yeah I guess the Islanders make sense. Detroit would make some sense too, especially if they move on from Larkin, but um, but the the fact that in this trade, the Islanders do have that lottery protection clause from their conditional pick. So, like, in all in all likelihood, let's say the Islanders don't make the playoffs this year, there's a strong chance that the Islanders are going to keep that pick because uh, that would... But the year yeah. after, if they're yeah. not better, that could be a lot higher than True. top 10 or just outside the top 10 and then the Canucks get it no matter what happens. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess that's true, but... Just uh, ask the Ottawa yeah. Senators how it worked out with Matt Duchesne. Just ask know. the San Jose Sharks what happened with Eric Carlson. True, true. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess I'm thinking... Well, the... <laughs> for, I'm not saying it's... it's well, for Matt Duchesne... I was just saying... didn't get enough, but it's... Yeah. 
it's one of those things where I could see it blowing up in the Islanders' face at the end of the day. It'll for, probably take five years for us to determine that, true. but it could happen. Well, for the Matt Duchesne trade, that was that wasn't lottery protected. But yeah, I, I do, and it ended up working out for Ottawa because they ended up getting Braden Kachuk. But um, yeah, but 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 the, they the, lost the out on Byron the next yeah, yeah. year. Though. But yeah, you lost out on Bill Byron. That's a true, true good point. But like yeah. that was the well, whole thing. So, but that, again, that's, then, that's the whole reason that's, why that's the risk you do when you're trading a first round pick. Right? Well, well, but like that's that's also why a lot of teams have decided to do lottery protected picks because of what happened true. to Shane. So, but the, yeah, it, but it's, I'm just saying it's a price you might still true. have to pay later down fair. the road, assuming you can't get out of the rut that you're fair, in. fair, fair, fair. I mean, but I guess I, I I guess my point is is I would assume Colorado would rather have Brady Kachuk than Bowen Byron, as good as yeah. Bowen Byron might be. But yes. I mean, imagine how many Stanley Cups they would have. If they yeah. also had Brady Kachuk. Like, there's another that, video in itself. Nice. Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, yeah, that's a weird hypothetical to think about. But but yeah, I mean, I guess like even if that like I, okay, I see your point. But I, I guess. Like, in terms of teams that need centers, you could, like, say, like, maybe you go to the Detroit Red Wings. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if they knew that. Like, Dylan Larkin was going to, like, has contract negotiation stuff, and we'll get into that in a, in a couple minutes. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if you would necessarily... Like, I feel like Detroit might not make the playoffs. Like, the likelihood of Detroit yeah. making the playoffs versus the Islanders not making the playoffs. But... I, I, I see your point, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll retract my my uh, my criticism there. Then, um, well, all things considered, when you look at the Canucks and the return that they got, Beauvillier, who is going to be a UFA in twenty twenty four, if maybe he gets some short term success for you, and you trade him for futures, and you win big down the road, Aturatu is a boomer bust prospect, and again that wild card first round pick. I mean, it's is it the best return for the Canucks? We'll never really know because sure. they didn't really shop it around. But also consider all the drama surrounding the Canucks. Consider that they weren't willing to talk contract with Bo Horvat. They weren't talking to his agent for two months. Everybody knew he was going, going, gone. And they still got yeah. decent return for Bo Horvat. It doesn't fix all their problems, but it's a start. Yeah, and Ratu was like... Uh... He's, he's been pretty good, actually. I was just looking at his stats here. Um, he, let me just pull it up quickly here. But, yeah, no, I, I think it, it was good. Um, let's see here. He had 15 points in 27 games for Bridgeport. Um, he is 20 years old, um, and he's he's played two games in Abbotsford. That's the um, AHL Vancouver affiliate. Um, I guess they moved from Utica. Um, and yeah, he had zero points there. But yeah, he was. Would be so Canucks if you put Ratu and Bob Colson on the same line and both just go off at the same time. Oh, that would be nuts! Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, look yeah. at that. Two guys who have a lot of hype to them, yeah. Um. So, so yeah, that's not bad. But, um. But yeah, I, I, I guess we kind of answer this question of who wins in the short term, who wins in the long term. I think a lot of it. Will depend. I don't know. So I mean, I guess I'm kind of spoiling my myself, but I expect the Rangers to be pretty active in this trade deadline stuff. 
Um, well, I Metro's also... going to be an absolute arms Yeah, race. exactly. There are three teams that we mentioned, Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers, they'll all be doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be I, chaos. I expect the Rangers to, especially the Rangers to do something. I expect the yeah. Capitals and the Penguins to do something. And, like, the, and those three teams aren't even in the Metro. I'm sure that, like, pretty much every team, every competing team in the Metro right now is, like, Oh, okay. The Islanders get Bo Horvat. Okay, I'm getting Timo Meyer. I'm getting whoever Chikrin. Uh, so, so I imagine even like Carolina and New Jersey will probably do something too. So, um, so yeah, I I think it's it will probably be so like when you think of it from the short term, I'm not sure. Like it will depend on what the other teams in the in that division do end up doing, but at the moment. Like, yeah, this will make the Islanders better. It's just, like, even still, like, the Islanders aren't in the playoffs, aren't in a playoff spot. Yeah, they're two points behind the Penguins for the second wild card spot currently. Um, but uh, the Penguins have three games in hand. Um, and so, so I don't know. It, it, will, it will definitely be tough, but, you know, it, I guess it's possible that the Islanders will make the playoffs, but... If they make the playoffs, it's like what they really need to rely on is um, is Sororkin being incredible, which he no doubt could be. Um, and then you also have to like wonder how is Horvat going to work with Barzal? What's going to be the final lines? I know I mentioned what the lines look like right now, but um, but maybe they do split up Barzal and Horvat, and then you have. You know, and then you can move Anders Lee up, or I'm not sure if Josh Bailey's gonna be the th- end up being the third guy. I feel like Anders Lee should be up there, but but we'll see. Um, I guess it's not. I like think a final. Uh, I think short term, including next year, yeah. the Islanders have the advantage. Long sure. term, talk to me in five years and see where we're at. Well, it's it's um I I I could see it going a bunch of different ways. Yeah, yeah. It, it's impossible to really know. Uh, the long term. Um, yeah, the Canucks are kind of set up for it, of course, but because they have the pick, they have a prospect. But um, but it's like you never really know. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I could like I feel like if the Islanders don't make the playoffs this year, then the trade is not worth it. Um, so um, any yeah, I mean maybe they could make it next year. That's possible too. But yeah, if those, they don't make it next year, then I'm concerned. Right. I'm a little bit concerned. But, like, if it's if it's this year, it's it's understandable. But next year, if they're not in playoff contention, then I'm a bit worried. Yeah, and I, I mean, let's say here's the thing: I'm not sure about. Like, let's say the Islanders do make the playoffs. Like, do you think that they have a shot? No. It'll probably be a wild card team that sneaks in, and you know what? If Sorokin catches fire, never say never. They could go on yeah, a run, but I don't think anyone's expecting them to go on a run. Right, 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 right. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll I, I, yeah, yeah. So we're going to the Canucks sides of things. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the Canucks stuff, I kind of had loosely mentioned that uh, it looks like Bovillier is going to be on Pedersen's line. Um, we'll see how that works out. But, I, I mean, I think the writing was on the wall for Horvat being out once they extended JT Miller's contract. Um, Which, by the way, uh, apparently the 
Sounders were in trade talks with JT Miller, and for whatever reason, those oh. talks stopped, and then Miller got extended. Uh, whoever stopped those talks, maybe the Islanders should thank them, or yeah. they thank themselves. Because right, right. Yeah, um, I, I don't think that experiment would have gone any better yeah, if yeah. they went that route. Also, um, Paul Horvath was making $5.5 million for the Canucks. That's the same amount of money that Kuzmenko's extension, um, two-year extension was. I think I mentioned that last week, but uh, just to yeah. clarify again. that So that was also the other writing on the wall. Um, but yeah, the, the question now becomes is like, who else do they trade? Um, Besser, I believe, has, like, there is some interest that Besser might just want a change of scenery. I think a change of scenery could be good for him. Um, so, so yeah, it's always, it will be interesting to see if he goes, but again, he has three years left with making 6.65 million. He's not worth it at the moment. So that, that'll probably be the big deterrent. It's like, if he had maybe two years left or one year left, then I could see teams going in on it, but it makes it tough because he has three years left on a, on a pretty high contract. So, um, so that's, that's definitely... I mean, I, I never say never, but I, I'm, I it might just be end up being like a like a trade, a draft day type trade, uh, that we'll see. Um, and yeah, then, I think it's the same with Connor Garland yeah, yeah. as well. But in, in terms Connor of Garland's not uh, content, contenders with cap space, I think could make a trade for Besser at the deadline. And yeah. looking squarely at New Jersey, maybe it's Carolina as well. But I think. Anyone who makes that Besser trade, obviously, is going to have to factor yep. in down the road, not just this year, and that's the tricky part. Yep. Um, but I think if it's a team like the Devils, it could get done at the deadline. We'll, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but, yeah, I think between now and the NHL draft, he will uh, probably be in a new place, and I think it's best for him. Uh, what Whatever he's done just hasn't been yep. good enough for Vancouver, and he needs a fresh start. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but... Uh... Garland, yeah, I was I was also going to talk about him, but like yeah, you're right. It is a 4-year contract. The thing though is, is that it's at 4.95 million, so it's not as bad, but yeah, I guess you do have a point that it's like a 4-year contract, so it's it might be the same yeah. thing with Besser. Um yeah, I think Luke Shen definitely is a guy that gets traded. There's yep. obviously I don't know why there are talks going on, but it's probably one of those situations where we're not trading this guy unless there's an offer that completely blows our minds. And from what I've been hearing, Thatcher Demko's name's been in the rumor mill. Yeah. Um, if you're going beyond retool, then okay, trade Thatcher Demko sense. then. Because at that point, it goes into, well, you might as well just blow the whole thing up. Yeah, that makes no sense. Try and build around Peterson and Hughes as best as you can and JT Miller. Because you're not trading away JT Miller's contract. No one's taking that right now. Well, I was thinking, like, no one, like, really, what you need to do is have someone take on OEL's contract. And that's never happening. Uh, yeah. And Tyler Myers would be also nice if they could trade him. He's on two years, making six million somehow. Um, yeah, that's more digestible than OEL. So but but uh, I, I, it looks like oh OEL has a no movement clause, and also Tyler Meyer has a modified no trade clause. But I I guess that's uh, it's a ten team no trade list. Uh, so uh, so it is 
I guess it is possible that Tyler Myers could do it, but like, who wants Tyler Myers at that? Yeah, company? there's there's a right Unless you retain for Tyler yeah. Myers. I don't know about OEL at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He he needs to show us something first. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Uh, so that's the Canucks there. So I provided a list. Uh, so the trade deadline's March third. So we it's like a month away, basically. Uh, there are I have a list of the potential targets. Um, let's see here. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guys who, um, who might go, um, in the next month. Um, these first two are definitely going, um, they've expressed publicly that they, they want to leave their current situation. Um, and they've requested trades. The other guys are, I mean, are more or less like, they, they could happen, but it, it, it could also not happen, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to start off with Timo Meyer. Um, there was a report from Shang Peng, who's the Sharks, um, uh, the Athletics Sharks beat writer there. Uh, he's, a very, he's a very good writer, uh, reporter, that guy there. Um, he's saying that a cost for a rental pending RFA, Timo Meyer is a first rounder, um, one grade A or two grade B prospects, or one good prospect and a young established NHL player. The ask on a new contract starts with at least a nine. Um, this was a week ago, so I don't know. I mean, to your point with Bo Horvat, um, I mean, this only helps Timo Meyer's contract situation, so. Uh, we'll, we'll see where that, that leads them. Um, there is a, there is a report that the Rangers are eyeing Timo Meyer as a top deadline target. I could, uh, I could see that happening. That would be kind of a, an interesting move, especially because of the Bo Horvat trade. Um, I, I feel like the Rangers are going to make some big move, but I'll, I'll leave the big one, uh, to event, um, a little bit later on, I assume you'll you can figure out because you have the list, Steve, of who I think the Rangers are gonna uh, end up I getting. Exactly, <laughs> you're linking the Rangers too. But we'll but if if they end up going with Timo Meyer instead of the guy who I think they might they because he fill that guy fits all the boxes that the Rangers usually go for. I I think. Timo Meyer could end up being the guy to the Rangers. Um, that would be an interesting thing. The thing with the Rangers, though, is like, especially because they could trade Kakao, Lafreniere, Kraftsoff. Uh, um, I, I feel like they, they might not end up giving up on Lafreniere, uh, but uh, I could totally see them trying to get something out of Kraftsoff or get something out of uh, Kakao. Um, but like, you know, even Lafreniere and, I don't know if you noticed, but Lafreniere and Kakao have both played a lot better, uh, recently. Um, but yeah, but definitely, I, I think if I were the Rangers, I think I would want to take Timo Meyer instead of that. Uh, the other possibility is that, um, the New Jersey Devils would have to like change their name to the Swiss national team, basically, but, uh, cause they have Nico. Um, as Swiss well. Alps. 
the Swiss the Alps. The Swiss Alps is their off-season yeah. headquarters. They have, uh, breaking news. Yeah, because they have... Uh, I'm sure they mean fine with that as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, awesome, they have... They have... Uh, they have Nico Heischer, of, of course, is who I'm alluding to, and, and Timo Meyer is, uh, is also Swiss. Also, Jonas Siegenthaler, I, I didn't realize, he's also Swiss. <laughs> he's on the team. But... Um, but yeah, that that would be the the other move that I could see that happening, um, especially because I think the Devils need need those types of um, they need wingers other than Jesper Bratt and uh, Andre Palat who just got healthy. Um, there, that that's their, probably their biggest need is not to knock anything from Sharon Govich or Phoebe Zetterlund, but uh, but yeah, I, I feel like you need more wingers. Um, of course. Other, you need more wingers to help out Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. It can't just be Jasper Bratt. Um, so, so I, I I think I think Timo Meyer could could be a nice player for the Devils as well. Um, those are the two that really stand out to me. Yeah, um, uh, we're on the same wavelength once again, Brett. Because um, I the Devils were first on my list. The more and more I thought about it. And the Rangers, now that you mention it, they do make sense. I was also thinking if they really wanted to be ballsy, the Maple Leafs, just because Ooh. every single trade deadline, it's just be like, we're going to go with the most experienced guys. We don't have to really give up a lot to get them. So, like, here's a Mark Giordano. Here's a Colin Blackwell. Right. Here's, uh, what's his name? I don't know, Kyle Clifford, Nick Molino. Right. Just, you know, guys that are good and are definitely known across NHL circles, but they're not the prime big fish that everyone's going after. You look at the Maple Leafs, and you have Nylander and Matthews coming up towards the end of their contracts in 2024. Marner and Tavares aren't far behind. They just gave up a, a lot uh, of money to Morgan Riley, who's had some... Uh, Adjusting, and he's also been uh, injured for a good chunk of the year, so uh, he hasn't really been playing his best hockey, but, I mean, in terms of established defensemen, he's arguably the best one they have in all situations. Um, and and they also have, you know, a banged-up Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody's missed time. A lot is hinging on these Maple Leafs to go on a run, and the sad reality is, because the Bruins are so good... They're probably getting Tampa again. The only question is, are they going to get home ice or not? Yep. So, based on how last season ended, I'm thinking, okay, what do they need that they didn't get last year? And I don't think death was the concern. I think the goaltending was good enough to win that series. And I think Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, outside of you know, maybe scoring more on Vasilevsky and executing a bit more. That was probably their most complete game seven defeat that I've seen. But if you add a guy like a Timo Meyer into that system, a shot generator, pesky guy that's going to the net, a guy with a lot of finish, a lot of skill, I think that could put them over the top in a series against Tampa Bay, perhaps, perhaps in a series against Boston. Mm-hmm. or in a series against the Rangers or Hurricanes or Devils, and also because they don't have to go up against Timo Meyer because he's on their team. Um, so I would say that is a wild card. If Kyle Dubas wants to get ballsy, 
If he wants to offer a first-round pick, sure. If he wants to offer up Matthew Nice, okay. Uh, or Ronnie Herbenen or whatever other prospect you want to name. They have so many prospects out there not named Nick Robertson that other teams might want. If you're getting a guy like Timo Meyer, honestly, at this point, it's worth it. You need to swing for the fences at least once here. And so I, I feel like the Leafs could be a guy that could chase Timo Meyer as a rental for sure. The problem is a Timo Meyer's got a qualifying offer that will be 10 plus million. And uh, the one thing that the Toronto Maple Leafs struggled to uh, deal with, it's uh, paying, um, high maintenance players a lot of money and by high maintenance i mean guys that are obviously very very good they just cost a lot uh and timo meyer is going to be another on that list so it's just like okay well now we have timo meyer so oh do we just trade him to get as much young talent as we can to maybe offset the young talent that we had to give up because we can't really afford him or do we trade willie nylander because now we need to pay up meyer and we can't really afford all the guys on this team so that kind of puts them into a difficult spot. So a lot would have to happen in order for the Maple Leafs to get Timo Meyer beyond this year. And I think that's part of the plan is if you're willing to give up something to get a guy like Timo Meyer, if you're the Leafs, I would think keeping him around is essential and they're going to need to do some things to really sort that out. So that's why I think the, the Rangers and Devils are probably the best options for him, more so the Devils because... Uh, here's one thing that the Devils already have that the Leafs don't, cap space. Mm-hmm. And they've been sitting on it for a fair bit. Uh, they currently uh, don't have that much cap space to work with, but also you've got to consider the amount of expiring contracts that they have. Jesper Brad, who obviously you're going to have to pay up to get him because he's showing last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, you have Igor Sharangovich, Mike McLeod, Jesper Bjorkvist, Nate Bastian, Fabian Sutherland as RFAs. UFAs, Thomas Tatars, Caput, they probably don't bring him back. Miles Wood, Eric Halla, I guess you can part with those guys. Damon Steverson and Brian, Brian Graves on the back end. Uh, and you also have Mackenzie Blackwood, who has underperformed as well. Um, so, and, and also Andreas Janssen's contract is buried in the minors too. And Jonathan Bernier is on LTIR. So he uh, is probably not coming back either. So it's not like the cap space doesn't exist. They can bring that cap space back hypothetically and uh, invest it into a guy like Timo Meyer and still keep Jesper Bratt, plus also do some other things that they really, really wanted to. And uh, when you have a lot of those guys on expiring contracts, maybe you throw a couple of those names into a trade. Uh, for example, like the San Jose Sharks, they could probably take on Andreas Janssen's cap because they need bodies to finish up the season. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, so you don't necessarily have to keep him on the team beyond this year. Um, and also, the Devils have prospects. They have Alex Holtz. Uh, not to say they are going to trade Simon Nimich, yep. but they do have Simon Nimich there. And they have other guys that you could throw in. They have, Glam, they have Graham Clark. They have Nolan Foote. They have Tice Thompson as well, Jack Dugan former Vegas Golden Knights prospect too. So I think in terms of a return that San Jose might like, uh, and they also have first round picks to choose from. So San Jose can always get one of those there. Uh, If you want a good trading partner, I think the Devils make the most sense. And I think they're the most likely to land Timo Meyer and be able to keep Timo Meyer beyond this season. 
Uh, just the situation, everything fits. Yeah, well, other than Alex Holtz I and Simon Nemec, I don't think <laughs> like the the Sharks would be interested in that because I feel like I feel like the shark like the return for Meyer should be a lot more or just a little bit more than the return that Horvat ended up getting. Um, and Holtz would be a nice nice pull for for the Sharks, and so would Nemec. Um, also, like I don't think the Devils would part with Nemec, but I think I, Holtz, I don't know. I mean, if it, if you're getting Timo Meyer and you're extending him, is it worth it? Yeah, I would, because you forgot to mention the fact that the Devils have this guy named Luke Hughes, um, who's going to be better than uh, Nemec is, and they also have Dougie Hamilton. So yes, I would, I would definitely give trade uh, Simon Nemec. Uh, yeah, I guess in terms of position, yeah. I think the Sharks probably need Nemec more than they they need Holtz, the even do. though they do need young offensive yeah. guys. And, and and Holtz could be good too, but uh, yeah, I and I think yeah. because the Devils have Luke Hughes, um, Nemec uh, is kind of like is not as needed. Um, and you know Nemec is John a good Marino's player. John Marino has also been good for the Devils. Yeah, John too. Marino as well. But yeah, uh, so. So I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I would, uh, yeah, Simon Nemich, I, I guess I, it would be kind of surprising because they literally just drafted him, but, um, but yeah, I could, I could totally see that, that happening. Um, yeah, we, we can see that but, why it would be appealing for both exactly. sides to get this deal done. We're exactly. in agreement on that. Yeah, so. yeah. The next guy we have here, we, we should probably get going on, on this list here. Um, <laughs> Jacob Chikrin, uh, he expressed just before the season started that he wants a trade request. Oh, I, I should also, I, I guess I should also bring out the stats for all these guys. Timo Meyer has 48 points in 50, 51 games. Uh, not as good as Eric Carlson on the team, but uh, the second most points and the thing that's pretty good, for, especially for a team that's pretty bad. Uh, which will it take... should also be noted that uh, Timo Meyer uh, is second in the league in shots yep. on goal. The other, the only other guy that has more shots is David Pasternak. Yep. And uh, on a bad team, on a bad Sharks team, Timo Meyer is only ten goals yep. back of Pasternak as well. Yep. So, considering True. the circumstances, he's had just as good a season as Pasternak. Also, he's right? like twenty six years old, so he's like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very pretty young. So, so that's why I feel like uh, he should get more than what Bo Horvat ended up getting, and what Bo Horvat yeah, ended no, up getting. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, so the next guy is Jacob Chikrin. Uh, so on that same note, uh, before I forget, Jacob Chikrin, he was injured to start the year, but then he came back, and he's been pretty good for the Arizona Coyotes. Of course, it's the same thing applies because uh, the Coyotes are not a good team either. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been pretty good. 25 points in 34 games. Um, I believe the next club, like Clayton Keller has 41 points in 50 games. Ghost Bear has 29 points in 48 games. Those are your top leaders there. But, uh, but yeah, I believe Chikrin has more points per game. So, um, and also Ghost Bear is like injured for the time being. So, um, he's also 23rd in shots on goal yeah. by defenseman, and he's only played 34 games. A lot of those yeah. guys have played at least 45. Um, and Chikrin is uh, 24 years old. I didn't realize he was that young. It feels like he's been in the league yeah. forever. 
Yeah. Um, injury history, unfortunately, yeah. that's the only thing yeah, for sure. that's an issue. But but his cap situation isn't bad. He like unlike everyone else oh, that we're talking horrible. about. Uh, unlike everyone else that we're talking about, um, he's he has some term left. Uh, let me uh, just pull it up really quickly. Um, yeah, he has um, he has a really good contract, probably one of the best in the league. Uh, so yeah, he's two 20- years beyond this one. Yeah, but at four point six million, um, he's worth at least yeah. eight million, maybe you know, maybe more. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and that's the only consideration is is that he's, you know, he gets injured a lot, um, but he's also very good. <laughs> so um, there was, uh, I, I just saw this too, because this just picked up here uh, like an hour ago, that Chikrin has removed all mention of the Arizona Coyotes in his Instagram and Twitter bios. That must mean that he's, uh, a trade is imminent pretty soon. Um, does he at least give a shout out to the Arizona State Sun Devils because he's the Coyotes because they're essentially the Coyotes' dad for the time being? Uh, no, I, I don't think he did that. That, that. that was a failed attempt at a joke. I hope people laughed at that. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, I, I, I got it, but it was just uh, I, I forgot to laugh. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's yet another of many red flags against the Coyotes. What can you say? Right, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, it looks like he's about to be traded. Um, so, but you know, well, <laughs> this 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 episode may end up being dated purely because he's probably gonna get traded pretty soon. But we'll see. Probably um, get traded uh, the day after you. Right, 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 right. Exactly. We'll see. Um, in terms of where he goes, um, I, you know, I was going to say like maybe Minnesota. Um, I don't know if Arizona wants to trade him in the division. I mean, I don't know if they necessarily care, but Minnesota maybe could work, especially since Matt Dumba, it looks like he's going to be gone. Um, but I could see Minnesota going there. Um, in terms of the uh, Eastern Conference teams, because um, that seems to be more likely, um, I could see the Penguins, the Capitals, uh, going in on him. Um, the Rangers are always going to be in, um, in on all the top guys, so that I could include the Rangers as well. Um, but uh, the, it feels like he's been attached to the Maple Leafs forever. Same with the Senators forever. But um, it seems like that, I, I don't know, I just don't know if he would go to Toronto or Ottawa. Um, I'm not sure if it makes the most sense. Maybe Florida, um, that could that could be interesting. Um, although they are doing well with um, with Brandon Montour, yeah, yeah. Anyway, another first round pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they would make, get that. They don't have one until I think twenty twenty six. Yeah, yeah no, that's a good point. Maybe Buffalo, but Buffalo has Dalene and Power, so I guess that doesn't make sense. Um, Buffalo is probably the most interesting trading partner because yeah. I really don't know where they stand. If 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 Buffalo lands anyone, I think that's more of an offseason thing because I yeah. if I'm given times, I probably stand. Well, for actually, that. I was going but to Buffalo say Buffalo does make sense now. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I feel like Buffalo. I I couldn't. I mean, I could see Buffalo going for um going for uh for Timo Meyer um. Or Patrick Kane, which we'll get into in a second. But, um, but yeah, maybe there's that. Um, 
if if the Coyotes want to trade within their division, the Winnipeg Jets, um, Minnesota, as I just mentioned, uh, could use them. Um, but if they want to go to the, like the wet the other division in the Western Conference, um, the one that really stands out to me is the Calgary Flames. Uh, they it, like not to knock Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannafin, but that that seems to be appealing. The Los Angeles Kings could also be an option for them. I feel like the Kings could work out too. They have enough like prospects in their pool to make this work for Arizona. But um, but I don't know if they want to like if the Coyotes care about trading them in the conference. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the Kings or the, the Flames could, could end up working out for them too. Not the Coyotes. I don't give a shit if I'm facing the Kings in the playoffs True. and uh, Chikrin's on that team. Get the most value while you can. Fair, like, fair. For, this, for the sake of your team and the status that you're in, you get every ounce of value you can for these guys. Yeah, yeah, but like, let's, because like, ultimately the Coyotes don't want to suck forever. So, so it's like, do you want, and especially like you could get a boatload of money, like even more than you could get for Meyer, just because of how good of a contract Chikrin is and how good Chikrin is altogether. Um, so I'm not sure, like, you know, ultimately I, I imagine the Coyotes want to be good in maybe like two years um, or three years. And so like, if you trade them to Winnipeg or Minnesota, I, I know it's you maybe people forget that Arizona's in the central division. I sometimes forget that too. But like do you wanna face Chikrin um when the Coyotes are good um in, in a couple years playing uh Winnipeg or Minnesota? I'm not sure I'm not sure you would. But yeah, if he's in LA I think that's that's reasonable enough. I, I could see that happening. Yeah, because they're no longer divisional opponents, right? I always keep forgetting yes yeah. they were in the pacific telling but they're not anymore yeah right 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 uh so, so yeah yeah so so i i feel like there there is that stuff but like i i feel like chikrin should get more than than even timo meyer uh should get in a trade so um especially because defensemen are a lot harder to come by especially chikrin so um so yeah, I could I could see maybe yeah I think L A you know I'm talking myself into L A I think I think he's going to L A. I think that's ultimately where he ends up. I as much as I like the appeal of Chikrin in a sense uniform, I feel like one of Ridley Gregg or Shane Pinto would be going the other way, and both have impressed me so much so that I hate the idea of Ottawa now trading them in a Chikrin deal. <laughs> um, and also, uh, Arizona would probably like the Ottawa Senators because there's no guarantee, similar to the Islanders, that yep. they're going to get better within the next couple of years, so the first round pick they'll probably get is, at worst, top 15. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, I, I think in terms of if you want to look at teams with young, talented prospects. Hello, Los Angeles. Like Alex Turcotte hasn't really made his mark yet. Quentin Byfield still hasn't made his mark yet. They have Akil Thomas. They have Tyler Madden in the system, who was acquired from Vancouver in the Tyler Toffoli mm -hmm. trade. He is still in the minor league system right now. They have Francesco Pinelli, who's killing it uh, 
in uh, the junior ranks with the uh, with the uh, Kitchener Rangers right now. Uh, they have Martin Kromiak, who had a solid uh, OHL campaign with Kingston last year. They have Samuel Fagimo as well. Uh, they have Aiden Dudas. Uh, once upon a time, Leah Anderson had some hype to him. I don't think it is much anymore. Uh, and on defense, they have guys like Tobias yeah. Bjornfoy, uh, Brian Clark, who had a, a yeah, good a uh, stand at the World Juniors for Canada. They have lots of players. Hell, Grant's is another them. one. Yeah, so well, they're I, not, I think they're the not, games would be, would be perfect for them. They're not trading Quinn and Byfield, but, or uh, they could trade, yeah. but, but they do have him. But they could also, trade a lot of the other players yeah. that I just mentioned. Yep. And, and I think even, Arizona could use a fair bit of you them. You didn't even mention Alex Turcott, who, uh, who's also... I, I who, did at the start, but oh, maybe the audio cut out. Or, but yeah, Alex Turcott's up there, like a former top 10 pick, again. I probably missed and, that. And <laughs> just, when I, when I take a look at the Kings, I take a look at their defense... And I take a look at their goals against. Yep. And there's a lot to be desired. Their offense is fine, as is. I like Gabe Velarde. I like Arthur Kaliev. I like a lot of their young guys on their team. And Kevin Fiala is a freaking beast. Yep. And uh, Ante Kopitar still has plenty to give as well. Philip Deneau, Adrian Campe, Victor Arvidsson, all of them are good. But your best defensemen are Drew Doughty, Matt Roy... Sean Jersey's having a good year. There's Sean Walker as well. You have a 36-year-old Alex Edler. And your Jordan best goaltender is, for the most part, an AHL journeyman in Phoenix Copley. Yep. <laughs> so there's a lot of room for improvement on the back end and between the pipes. And I think Chikrin would be a huge boost to their back end. Obviously, they'd probably have to throw in a couple of guys in terms of the cap situation to make everything work. And uh, this is the part where I remind people that uh, the LA Kings recently gave Cal Peterson a three-year contract worth $5 million. The problem is they also gave him a 10-team no-trade list, and due to his poor performances, he's been in the minors, and because Copley is picking up wins still, they haven't called him up and probably have no plans to either. Um, Actually, just taking a look at his minor league stats... You know, they, they have been better, so that's reassuring. He has a 918 save percentage in 19 games. But, I mean, yeah, no, he's, not in the a, he's not in the NHL, and you're paying him to be there, too. So, um, I, I, there there is a way to, to make things work. It should be you no know, Jonathan Quick, for some reason, doesn't have a no-trade clause. So, I guess maybe they trade away his cap hits uh, to the Coyotes if they really want a goaltending help for Vimelka. But, um, yeah, again, in terms of ideal trading partners, while there are some things that the Kings are going to have to take into consideration with uh, cap space, it's minor in comparison to a lot of the other destinations. I do think, ultimately, at the end of the day, the Kings are the perfect fit. And if you're wondering, oh, well, maybe the Minnesota Wild trade Matt Dumb at Arizona, he's got a no-trade list. I'm sure Arizona's on it. Uh, So... Uh, unless I'm proven wrong, you can say bye-bye to that theory uh, for the time being. So, yeah, long, long story short, I think Kings are probably the best destination for Jacob Chipper. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you know, yeah, the Kings make sense. I, I could also see the Capitals or the Penguins uh, going in on him, on, on Chikrin as well. Because because it's, it's the Penguins and they are wild cards, and I don't think they're giving up on the dream. I definitely think the Penguins would be in hot pursuit. It wouldn't surprise me yeah. if they tried to get him. 
doesn't necessarily mean they'll land him. I think there are better trading partners in terms of value, returnable value that the Coyotes could use. Um, but they have been trading partners with the Penguins. They did take Phil Kessel off their hands. True. So maybe this could be just like a, hey, remember the Phil Kessel trade? Yeah. Uh, here's the IOU. Um, we would kindly like uh, some futures. Um, and given how the Penguins um, are kind of not looking so hot, now might be the worst time to trade away a first-round pick because you might need it. Yeah, fair. Uh, but we'll see. Um Okay, uh, we're, we have to, like, breeze by these next couple of guys here. Um, Dylan Larkin, uh, the only, I, I actually don't think he ends up going, but the only reason why I have him on this list is because Friedman mentioned that Yeiserman is close to or has reached, quote-unquote, his line on, on Larkin and how far he'll go on a contract. Doesn't see Detroit bending to Larkin. And however, Larkin has recently told Wyshynski, I've said it all along and I stand by it. I really see myself as a Red Wing. Um, Dylan Larkin is, um, he, he does, he has the most points for the Red Wings. He has 43 points in 47 games. Um, and yeah, of course he's really good. Um, and that's, you know, I, I imagine this is just Geiserman playing hardball. Um, and I imagine a deal will end up being done. Um, so I don't, I, I feel like if a trade does happen, it's going to happen after the season. Um, and especially cause it's like, if you do end up trading Dylan Larkin, it's like, then what? Like the Red Wings, like who do you build your team around or like have as a supporting cast? I'm not really sure. So uh, this is something where, like, I feel like the Red Wings have to sign Dylan Larkin, um, and I'm not sure, like, I, I, I imagine this is just Yeiserman playing hardball, so I'm gonna say that he stays with the Red Wings, um, however, it could just end up being where the contract talks get so bad, but that'll probably happen on draft day if it, if it does happen. I think if you're Steve Eiserman, if you know you can't get a deal done with Dylan Larkin, you got to trade him because you can't afford to lose him for nothing. Straight up, you can't. Especially uh, when you're trying to get yourself out of a rebuild, true. losing Horvath for nothing keeps you in that rebuild for probably longer than you anticipated. And even even if they keep on, even if they uh, decide to keep Dylan Larkin, that yeah, Start yeah. Over. So I'll, I'll I'll pick up my my thought process on that. So okay. Dylan Larkin, yes, um, I believe Dylan Larkin when he says he wants to be a Red Wing for life, hundred percent. And he's the captain of this team. He grew up a fan of this team. Why wouldn't you finish what you started? I think part of the reason why Steve Eisenman is doing this is because, this is my opinion. I have no evidence to back this up. He's probably telling Dylan Larkin, like every GM tells their player, hey, I know you want to look after you. That's totally fine. And it's your probably your biggest payday of your career, and you're you're selling yourself high. I totally get that. But if we're gonna get out of this rebuild and into the status of a team that teams fear playing against every single night, we can't go past this number because you know, we didn't get Bo Horvat, but maybe we can get a guy like Timo Meyer, or maybe we can get a, you know, another big fish another year. Uh, maybe by some miracle, 
David Pasternak might might come here, even though that's definitely a long shot. But you just list off the names that could make Detroit a better team in in the essence that as things get better over time, this team is going to be contenders. And this team is going to have its best years ahead. But we need to manage everyone's cap space, especially as the entry-level contracts um, like Lucas Raymond and Ward Sider go away. We're going to have to pay those guys to keep them around. And even with the salary cap going up and up, again, there's only so much money we can afford to these guys. And we know that Tampa and Florida, they're going to be up against the cap. Toronto's up against the cap. That's probably not going to change. You have young teams like Montreal and Buffalo and Ottawa doing good as yep. well. So we can't really sleep on them. So, like, I love you. I appreciate you. I want to keep you. But this this is my limit. This is my bar. And if we go over it, well, we're, we're going to have some stuff to work out. So I think both player and GM want to stay here. But at the same time, I think Dylan Larkin knows that he's got more leverage than Steve Eisman probably wants to give him credit for. And I think Steve Eisman is playing the role of, hey, like it or not, I am the GM and I'm giving out the cash and I have a cap to, to a buy-buy, so I see the market. But Dylan Larkin's agent's probably going to be like, yes, we see the market as well. Bo Horvat's gone. He's not on the market. Uh, he won't be on the market in July. And if Dylan leaves, well, then what's up next? Is it going to be Andrew Kopp as the number one center and you expect Marco Casper's going to be making an appearance on the team and he can just play NHL hockey like it's no big deal with a snap of a finger and then magically he's the first line center? That's very not ideal, very unrealistic. So here's Dylan's number. Let us know if you're in. And it seems that from what I heard a couple weeks ago, both sides are in agreement on a long-term deal in terms of like the seven-year, eight-year threshold. Both sides are cool with that. But uh, I think the dollar sign is where the big fight is. And I don't think it's at that point where they're picking straws and they're, they're nitpicking at things. I, I think they'll be able to find common ground and he stays in Detroit. But if he leaves, any team with center depth that lost out on Bo Horvat is going to be knocking on the Red Wings door and asking for a fortune. Um, I don't think the Devils will uh, be one of those teams per se, but maybe you look at uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, maybe you look at the Boston Bruins, or maybe you look at... Uh, a team like the Minnesota Wilds, who yep. need a solid number one center for Kirill Kaprizov. They have a lot of solid prospects to offer up. They also have Matt Dumba there. So um, you open up the door of possibilities if uh, you open up the floor for Dylan Larkin. However, I would say, regardless of the return, it hurts the Red Wings more than it helps them if they trade Larkin. So yeah. for their sake, I hope they keep him. Yeah, I, I think they do keep him, but... I, I like I, I do agree that like yeah you're right if if they if Geiserman or the front office realize that they can't sign him then yeah you can't let him walk for for nothing yeah that's but worst case scenario but if that if that happens that's gonna happen on the draft day and not right now so um, we'll see. And it's, it will it will just be very typical for us that we spent like five minutes on this. 
and like we'll probably find out that he signed. He'll probably he signed. be irrelevant by like five minutes after. Yeah, he, he, like, he like, hey guys, yeah. guess what? <laughs> I have great news. And it's just like wait another week, please. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, um, we want to be relevant with our news. Can you not? Is this like too late? Yep. Hit tweet and yep. send. It's official. We kept them, boys. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, you don't <laughs> help us at all. Um. Anyway, next player. Next. Pl- well, the next players is actually who we're talking about. Oh yes. Let Let's go to where the real fun's at. In exactly. The uh, so, uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, we've been teasing this for the last, like, few years, even. Um, yeah, at least since last June, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, so, so it, it seems like, well, first off, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze would both have to, um, remove their no-movement clause, um, and they're both making 10.5 million, so those are, like, the, the barriers that the Blackhawks have. Of course, when they traded uh, Dak to bring Cat, and they uh, let go of Dylan Strome um, and Dominique Kubalik uh, in the offseason, this is kind of like, it was an indication to Kane and Taze that like, hey, uh, maybe you do want to move on from, from this team. Um, so, so in terms of, like, I imagine Patrick Kane will remove his no movement clause I don't know if he's officially done that just yet, but um, but I imagine he will. Patrick Kane um, has 34 points in 45 games. Um, it's kind of low f- for Patrick Kane, but of course you have to keep in mind the fact that he, um, you know, the Blackhawks are not a good team. Um, but that is kind of low for Patrick Kane's standards. Uh, Jonathan Taze um, is doing even worse. 28 points for 46 games. Um, here's the thing. Um, I think Patrick Kane, he was the secret uh, mystery player that I was talking about in the Timo Meyer situation. This is the exact guy that the Rangers want um, and usually go for uh, the Rangers, and especially when the Rangers need a right winger. So it makes sense that the Rangers would go on and get Patrick Kane. Um, a lot of teams will want a three-cup winner, um, and that goes with Jonathan Taze. But here's the thing. I Jonathan Taze seems like the guy who wants to stay with the Blackhawks. Um, I know that he's he's like mentioned in the past that he doesn't understand why they traded guys in the past. Like even before this Debrinkat stuff, he was kind of confused why they were trading Panarin. Um, he, you know, he's publicly mentioned why he doesn't want to do a rebuild, but I just don't know why, like, first off, if he does remove his no movement clause, he's not good anymore. Um, so the only reason why a team would want him is for that leadership. However, his leadership has been tarnished ever since that Kyle Beach situation. So it's like, I don't know what team would even want him in the first place. And the only team that I could see maybe taking on Jonathan Taze is his hometown team in Winnipeg. Um, and, and he would just have to be like a, a bottom line guy for, for them. Um, I just, like, I, I feel like Jonathan Taze is, is not good anymore. Something has clearly affected him with all the moves that the Blackhawks have made, I guess. Maybe he wants a change of scenery, but... 
some like he he's clearly has a hurt ego um and i just i i don't know if necessarily and there's also like i don't see there being a market for him patrick kane he could definitely go to the rangers it's basically the same list as the guys who could go to, uh from from timo meyer if like they missed out on timo meyer patrick kane is the other guy um I could also see Buffalo. Uh, that's another like hometown guy that Patrick King could go to. Uh, the Devils as well, maybe. Um, that'd be kind of cool because I imagine Jack Hughes looked up to um, to Patrick Kane, so that would be kind of fun to see as well. But um, but yeah, I, I I don't know if I I've, Jonathan Taze. It's hard to find a team that would want him just because it seems like he's. He's like an average player now. And I guess it would it would also be assumed that Patrick Kane uh, that both Kane and Taze they would the Blackhawks would retain both uh, or the salary for both Kane and Taze. Have to retain salary to make yeah. it happen. There's no way teams would take on the full thing. Exactly, no, exactly. Not a chance. Yeah, I don't even think teams the could. are just like, okay, yeah. we'll we'll wait until he's a free agent in the offseason and we'll trade away a seventh for his rights. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't even think there is a team that has ten million in cap space. I guess the, the oh the Sabers do have eighteen million in cap space. But maybe. The Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim and they're going to be yeah. using a lot of it in the off season. So right. yeah. Uh, the Coyotes, the Ducks. Yeah, the Sabers do have eighteen million in cap space, but do they have any injuries? Oh, Ben Bishop. Yeah, I guess. Okay, Sabers actually make the most uh, sense. I they could think. take it off. I think the Sabres could be an option when he's a free agent. The yeah. whole, could he go back to Buffalo but, in the offseason as here's a free the thing. agent? The Sabres, the Sabres have t- $18 million in cap space. Yeah. So so but, they, they don't even need to retain. <laughs> they, could <literally, laughs> they could literally just take on whatever Patrick Kane is, is worth. Yeah, true. But I would rather, I don't know, maybe get Patrick Kane in the offseason where, I, to be perfectly honest, if the Sabres get Patrick Kane, they make the playoffs again. Like, what are they going to accomplish? Oh, like, I, I think the Sabres, yeah, I think the Sabres, if they get Patrick Kane, they're on par with Toronto and Tampa for sure. See, that. The, the Sabres, again, they're, they're the team I can't predict what they're going to do. Maybe they're better off staying pat. Uh, they're not staying yeah. pat. They're, there's no way they're staying pat. Maybe you're, you do have a point. Maybe they do get, end up going and getting a goalie, but there's no chance. It would be such a Sabres move if all of a sudden it's like, rebuild's over, we're going for it. There's no chance that they, they stay pat. Yeah, uh, I mean... I could see, to your point, I could see Barlamov going to Buffalo. Yep. I, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they, they could make a move to get, um, to get a, a what's-his-face, Ranta, um, or just get a goalie, but... Yeah, but Ranta I could see. Because that, that is their bigger need, but I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think the fact that they have $18 million, um, Patrick Kane's from Buffalo. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> 
No, I'm I joking. Know this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, of the, course. The, you know the hockey card with this photo. <laughs> that is every, dad, like that everyone's is, seen. That is, that yeah, no, I'm joking, of course. Everyone yeah. every every hockey um, nerd knows that. I, I don't know though if you have read this from a couple of weeks yep. ago because this is going to impact um Patrick Kane's uh, trade values. So this is in an article from Bleacher Nation. And it said, uh, Patrick Kane's injury could impact his trade value and change the Blackhawks' plans. Uh, so this was back on January 9th by, uh, Tab, right. uh, by Tab Banford. And uh, so this is what it said. A uh, couple people, including play-by-play voice Chris Vosters, have noted that Kane is dealing with a hip issue right now that flared up when he got hit in the San Jose game on New Year's Day. He lasted only two periods against Tampa and has been out of the lineup for the past two games um and keep in mind again this was in early january monday's edition of the 32 thoughts podcast with ellie freeman and jeff merrick brought up the injury in the context of the looming conversation between Kane, his agent and the blackhawks front office as well as how it might impact his immediate and future value to the organization friedman presented an intriguing scenario and so this is what uh, friedman presented we mentioned this briefly on Saturday night in our TV segment. There has been a rumor that Patrick Kane has been dealing with something, some kind of injury, some sort of nagging injury for some period of time. And at some point, he's going to need a cleanup. By that, he means surgery. I've been thinking about this, and this is my opinion. I'm spitballing primarily. I wonder if this is what happens, that this really affects him. He either can't play or it noticeably impacts him. I wonder if the solution is Kane and the Hawks agree to a one-year extension, he shuts himself down, he goes and gets whatever procedure he needs, and he comes back next year healthy and refreshed, and we go through this again. Now, again, with everything that the Hawks have, have gone through and everything that Kane has gone through, I'm sure both sides are probably, especially given the fact that the Hawks were just dealing guys for not even close to full value, I don't think it really matters. It matters, though, if you're the team that is trading for Patrick Kane. True. If this is like a nagging hip issue and it needs surgery, and you're just giving up assets to get a guy that might not be 100%, or he might not even be available for you in the playoffs, like let's say he gets injured before the playoffs start, yeah. and he's out for an extended period of time, like that really blows. That, yeah. that really hurts. So... Uh, I don't really care if it's the Rangers. I don't care if it's the Avalanche or the Hurricanes or insert whatever team here, the Leafs. That's going to be a problem. If yep. they don't really know what the magnitude of that injury is and they don't know how to manage it, uh, I don't really care what the price tag is. I'm almost wondering if the, if whoever's in line for a guy like Patrick Kane, they go somewhere else, and that could limit his value. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet of Jonathan Taves. Winnipeg makes the most sense. They need leadership. He's a guy that can be face-offs. He has a bit left in the tank. And, hey, Winnipeg's his hometown. It makes sense. So, yes, Taves and Winnipeg seem like a good hookup there. If not Winnipeg, I would probably say Toronto uh, for so, the sake of center depth, the Confederate center depth. So the reason why you think Winnipeg will go with Taze is because of the hometown stuff and he'll be a little guy. I think guy. part of that, but you don't, yes, like, that's the same reason. They leadership. They don't have a captain. But that's the same reason why I think that Patrick Kane's going to Buffalo. Because <laughs> of the hometown and they need a winger, winger depth. Um, but, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... Well, both, both, have, both have their drawbacks, let's be real. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, the, the, both of their reputations have tarnished in the last uh, two years, of course. But 
Um, but yeah, I mean, injury history recently. Yeah, I didn't know the injury history, but I mean, I I don't know. I I feel like a team will definitely still trade Patrick Kane. He's one of the best players. I think Patrick Kane to Vegas because Vegas would definitely do that. I just don't (laughs) know if they would have what Chicago is looking for. Yeah, they have money in LTIR, so maybe he goes to like Edmonton. I don't know. Um, that could be interesting too, but yeah, not, not going to lie. That would be interesting. It would also be a very Ken Holland move, um, yeah. but it would probably Two. be just for a rental. I oh, think yeah, probably yeah. like the Oilers would trade away Pooley Arby to make that part of it work because yeah. he's been on the training block for a bit now. So. You also have both Canes, uh, in Edmonton. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, that is true. You do. Yep. Um, you right. have to put their first initial on the jersey just yeah. to differentiate from the The other back. thing that's interesting about um, the Blackhawks in particular is that they also have Max Domi, who's having actually a quietly good season, too. Um, he will probably be a bargain pickup yeah. for a playoff contender. Th- 35 sure. points yeah. in 48 games. Also, Andreas Athanasiu, who... He's also a free agent this year, but he's not having as good of a season, but 16 points. That's the Oilers trade for him again. Oh, that'd be funny, yeah. Uh, but Max Domi could be a low-key nice signing for our team. For yeah, sure. yeah. He would definitely be the bargain yep. pickup for this entire yep. trade. Yep. All right, so. let's roll through these next couple. Um, yes. Where, uh, so Klingberg and Ghost Bear. Uh, Ghost Bear, uh, speaking of injuries, he's, he's out for the next month at least. Uh, so that kind of uh, that kind of derails his stuff, but I imagine wherever Chikrin goes, the the teams that were wanting Chikrin are going to go for Ghost Bear. It's unclear how serious Ghost Bear's injury is, but um, but yeah, I I guess to your point about Patrick Kane, if it is serious and will keep him out of the season, I don't know if a lot of teams will will want him. Klingberg is interesting just because, like, that was the whole reason why he signed with the Ducks in the first place was so that he could play, uh, so that that he could play, like, prove that he was good enough and then get uh, get traded at the deadline and then, um, and then like, find his team that way. The only issue is that Klingberg isn't that good um, <laughs> this year. Um, he has 17 points in 42 games. Of course, the Ducks, the Ducks as a whole aren't very good either, so so maybe that plays more a part of it, but um, I imagine we'll probably be like the Kings, the you know, the same type of teams that we said would be interested. The Capitals maybe, um, the Penguins, um, the the Devils maybe. Um, pr- yeah, pretty much any of those. Florida, um, Nashville, um, it looks like Tory Krug is back, so I was gonna say St. St. Louis, uh, but uh, but it looks like Tory Krug is back. Um, but uh, yeah, so it could be it could be any of those teams, but um, but yeah, I don't know if it, it's it, like a lot of the defensive side of things. It will all depend on when Chikrin goes, and once Chikrin finds a place, then a lot of teams will be panicking and being like, "Oh, wait a second. We need Klingberg. Wait a second. We need Ghost Bear, and um, so those will be the the options there. See, uh, this is an interesting question, actually. Um, I think Shane Goss Bear could be a good fit for 
I think uh, I think uh, Seattle Kraken could be Ooh, Seattle Kraken. I don't think is going to do anything very splashy, but I can see them make an underrated pickup of like, hey, once upon a time this guy did this and he looked pretty good. <laughs> yep. So he could have he could have some pep in his step here. So mm. I think Seattle would be a good fit for Gostas Bear. I think Klingberg is too big of a risk for them, but I definitely think uh, Gostas Bear could be possible there. Uh, in terms of John Klingberg, he is a right shot similar to a guy like Shane Gostisbehere. Um, just due to cap reasons, I don't think the Rangers make sense. Obviously, the Devils will probably have to yep. retain salary regardless, or the, the Ducks, rather, will probably have to retain salary regardless. Um, geez, that's... That's a... I mean, oh, I feel like Klingberg might be like a Florida-esque pickup and oh. Edmonton as well. Edmonton, Bouchard yeah, hasn't Edmonton really could. been playing all that well and Cody Cece and Tyson Berry have been eh. Yep. So I definitely see Klingberg there, but just in terms of the defensive liability, I feel like he would need to be in a scenario where um, he would need to be in front of a good team defense in order for him to really thrive there. <laughs> Yep. And there are only so many options for that out there. And um, the right side of the Hurricanes already has Brett Pesci, Brent Burns, yep. and Dylan Coglin. So maybe the Hurricanes, if he's willing to take on the left role, like be a third-pairing option, getting some time on the power play, I think if John Klingberg goes to a contender, he's going to have to sacrifice something, yep. whether it's playing time, whether it's opportunities, whatever. Um, but I, I think if I had to pick Carolina, okay. I would I would probably say Carolina. That's not a bad choice. I was going I was gonna suggest that Klingberg goes to the Stars, and then I forgot that like he was already <laughs> on the Stars. But yeah, the Stars could could end up working out. Uh, they might be in on Ghost Bear. That could be an interesting move there too. Um, stars. If the Stars want defensive depth, I'd rather take Ghost Bear over uh, Klingberg personally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just way, just the way. Things have tra- trajected for Klingberg. It's on a yep. downswing. The stars are in a position where they yep. don't really need to take that Although type of risk. The, the, the funny, the funny thing is, is that both Ghost Bear and Klingberg are like known for not playing defense. Like they're more of an offensive defenseman type. Player. True, but Gostas so. Bear has somewhat bounced back oh, yeah, since yeah. leaving oh, no, he's and really going good. to Arizona. Yeah, he's Klingberg really good. has had two downward seasons. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, and then lastly, last guy we have here is Antti Ranta. Um, I, I just wanted to like get in on the goalie market. Uh, the reason why I picked Ranta is because he, um, well, so Kachekov has been really good for Carolina. Um, and uh, they, because they have Freddie Anderson, um, and when he was healthy, they like, and Kachekov was AHL exempt as opposed to Ranta so they had to send Kachekov down but I assume if Carolina had their druthers they would rather have Kachekov be the the goalie um instead of Ranta Ranta's also um has is going to be a free agent this this uh upcoming year um so I assume that Ranta is going um could be the 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 biggest trade block there I know Carolina 
is the, is the second best team in the league. So it would be kind of weird that they're they're kind of sellers, but it's very possible that uh, Ranta goes somewhere that needs a goalie um, instead. Uh, Jonathan Quick is the only other one that is intriguing. Maybe Varlamov is intriguing. Corpusalo is another one that could go somewhere to a contender. Um, but um, but yeah, the thing with like goalies is like teams that need a goalie are like probably not in the playoff hunt like that's the first thing you need so Chicago yes like right exactly Chicago is is one of those Arizona um so I guess the Velzmelka could also be going too he's he's been decent despite I don't know why they would trade Vimelka but I've heard rumors that uh he might be on the trading block I can see that I think could low-key be a good move for a contending team I could totally see that um so yeah, what Buffalo seems to be the team that really desperately needs a goalie. So Buffalo yeah. seems to be the the best option for that. Um, Florida, of course, as well, but they have their own weird goaltending situation that doesn't make sense. Um, so so maybe that Calgary could be a sneaky option too. Um, Markstrom has really struggled this year. Um, I don't know if they, yeah. and as good as Dustin Wolf has been in the AHL, I don't know if they want to call him up this year. Um, so, so maybe they do go with Ranta or Varlamov or take your pick basically, um, and have um, and have uh, someone who can help them out on the back end. But yeah, it's probably like Buffalo and Calgary are the only two standouts that I could see making some sense and grabbing a goalie. And what goalie that is, it could be Ranta, it could be Varlamov, it could be Corpusalo, it could be Velmilka, um, it could be a lot of teams. But um, but yeah, it seems like those are the two teams that are very desperate for a goalie. I will throw in one uh, San Jose, uh, oh, yeah. because assuming they trade Timo Meyer, the old cap space, um, I think probably uh, not putting out Capo Kakinen and overworking him. Yep. Uh, in front of that defense is a good idea. Um, so I would think a capable NHL backup to kind of help him finish the season is what they need. So I think Ranta for the short term would be a good option uh, for the Sharks there. And I, then uh, for the Hurricanes, you just call up Kachikov. You have cap space to yep. do whatever else. Well, the thing with the Sharks is that they're probably, I mean, they're not making the playoffs. Um, so... Um, and as good as Eric Carlson has been, like, I imagine they're rebuilding, and as good as Eric Carlson has been, I know that they re-signed Thomas Hurdle. Um, I don't think, like, ultimately, Eric Carlson should be traded because he's, he's hit, like, he's reached his prime, basically. Um, but no one's going to take on, like, his contract. Um, so, so that makes it tough. Um, but, yeah, I, I, have, I don't know if they necessarily, like, I agree with you that, Kakinen's probably not their long-term option, but I imagine they they make a move in the offseason and not right now for a goalie. And that's... Uh, my, my whole theory wasn't to say that Kakinen isn't good enough and he can't yep. do the job. I just mean, have a good supporting cast behind him because odds are James Reimer is probably going to go to a contender that needs a goaltender. True. So if you're looking for someone to fill a spot... The Sharks have some cap space. If they trade away Timo Meyer, they can take on Antti Ranta for the rest of the season. He can help Kakinen get to the finish line. Yep. Then 
Rance's contract ends, he can go wherever you don't necessarily have to keep him. And then you sort out your goaltending in the offseason and whether or not Kakinen is there. I don't hate it or I don't like it either way. I think he's fine, and I think uh, for the short term, he, he can do the job. I just don't know long term what their vision is for Capo Kakinen. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that having him play most of the games, I think, is too much to put on the guy, especially with that defense. So if you bring in a guy like Antti Ranta to help him finish out the season, um, get to the the finish line in April, and and then you see where everything's at. I think that's probably the wise thing for them to do because regardless of whether or not they have Ranta in the net or Kakinen in the net, they're probably going to lose a good chunk of the games yeah. that they have remaining. So their position isn't going to change a whole lot. Mm. So, so that's why I mentioned San Jose as a potential destination there. It should also be noted, Ranta doesn't necessarily have a no-trade clause, so he can be traded anywhere. You don't yeah. have to worry about asking for his approval. Yep, yep. I think uh, I'll just be fine with getting playing time, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now we have two team-oriented questions. It's a very long po- podcast. We just reached the two-hour mark. So, just uh, wait till the trade deadline. I know, I know. It'll probably right? be just as long. It's always been our like longest episode, so it's, this isn't yeah, a Yeah, th- this, this, is, this is where we have yep. uh, ca- a dose of caffeine by, by our side to drink out of, yeah. Exactly. Um, so what's one team that needs to do something? Um, I think the, like, I don't even know if they can do anything just because of their cap space and the fact that they don't have any picks left, basically. But the Florida Panthers need to do something. Um, I'm not really sure what, but they're out of the playoffs. They don't have their first round pick this year. Um, and, um, and yeah, like, yes, they, they did get... Barkov going, and I mean, we talked about them at length last last week, but like, and it, it, you can't even say that like the Matthew Kachuk trade wasn't worth it because Kachuk has 66 points in 49 games, and Huberdo has been struggling. Oh, in he's Calgary. doing great. He's yeah, doing great. he's doing amazing. Um, but it's just like, I don't know, I, I guess part of the reason why they're struggling is, is that Bobrovsky, of course, is is not doing so hot. Um, he's on injured reserve even. Um, Spencer Knight hasn't really helped with the, ch- hasn't risen to the challenge. Alex Lyon, they have at goal. Um, so they need help at goalie. So maybe they do end up going for Ranta or going for um, one of these goalies that we mentioned <laughs> a couple minutes ago. Um, but it's just like, they're a really good team. However, they're not even, like, it would be one thing if they were just behind the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, and of course the Bruins, but they're also, like, chasing the Buffalo Sabres now. Um, so, it's like, like, it's it's not like what it used to be. It's not like an easy ride for them last year. So, so I feel like Florida has to do something, uh, like, because otherwise, they're going to be a lottery team, and the thing with that is... They don't even have their first-round pick, so it's it's very possible that Montreal could get the first overall pick due to their natural pick, and uh, Montreal could end up, like, Florida could end up getting, like, the second overall pick or the first overall pick. And at that point, I might, like, I might hate the Florida more than I hate Montreal, because then it's just like, what, what the hell? <laughs> so, so, yeah, and I know that no one really saw Florida, like, 
being out of the playoffs, especially because of their season last year. But it's just like it is crazy that they they have they have to be desperate right now. Um, they have to be. Yeah. So uh, for in terms of teams that are rooting for the Panthers' demise, uh, so this year, as you mentioned, um, Montreal is hoping they do bad. Next year, it will be the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Claude Drew for that. And 2025, it is going to be the Calgary Flames potentially benefiting from their demise. So if, yeah. if you're trading away the 2026 first-round pick, I'm sure a lot of teams are nope. looking at that because they're just like, oh, in a couple of years, they could be terrible. You know what the worst thing um, about the – sorry, before you – go on yeah. the, the worst thing about the montreal trade is that the 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 florida panthers got this was from ben Sherratt, like of all players yeah. he's not even on the team now anymore doing not so good on the red wings he's not even good anymore <laughs> yeah it's just <laughs> like i mean it could it could, it could be worse they could have kept yeah. him it's just crazy Anyway. It should also be noted that uh, they don't have a third-round pick this year, so if they trade away their second, they don't have a pick until round four. That's yeah, probably yeah. They do have their second. Yeah, that's that's true, but it's like... They don't think... have their second already next year, yeah. so they don't have a first or second in 2024, yeah. so they don't pick until round three. The crazy thing is, is like in they're not... 2025, they don't have a first, they do have a second. The crazy thing... I mean, they did beat the Bruins just before the All-Star break in like a... Um, in a brutal fashion, so they have they have that they gave the Bruins their worst loss of the season, but um, so like they might end up picking things up, but it's it's still like crazy that they might not make the playoffs still. <laughs> well, the other thing is that two of their defensemen, Aaron Eckblad, by the way, yep. I don't know if he's cursed or something, but he's not having yep. best year. The good news is Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling are having terrific years, yeah, arguably career seasons. Yeah. And after after uh, the uh, next season, 2023-24, they can hit the open market. Yep. So they'll have some interesting decisions to make there. They also have Sam Reinhardt to UFA at the end of next year, too. And uh, he costs a pretty penny as well. With his inconsistencies and maybe... He becomes Trey Bate, maybe Anthony Duclair yep. becomes Sam Trey Bennett. Bate. Sam Bennett's another But even one. then, the Bobrovsky cap it is still it just sucks. So uh, I don't they might have to buy it they might have to buy that out. They, yeah, they, they might. might not have a choice. Yeah, they might do that. Well, uh but like the yeah, thing is I, is though uh, that I'm not sure why they would trade Sam Reinhardt or Sam Bennett, because they don't have any first. <laughs> like they don't have <laughs> they, they, exactly. they, they screwed themselves they up. They need to get a first just to trade away. I know, I know that they made the playoffs last year, and they were really good last year in the last couple of years. But, um, and I like you know you don't fault them for for that. But it's just, it's just crazy that like they're yeah, they're not even in the playoff picture. So yeah, I just hope this year's a fluke because if this year's not a fluke yep. and this is the start of the norm, man, Florida oh, Panthers yeah, they're fans in trouble. Are, are in for another bad half of the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, hey, we're good again. Oh, what, and, what happened? And oh, what's, maybe we're back. No, what's, we're not. What's crazy is is that they kind of won the Matt Kachuk, Johnny Huberdo trade already. I mean, yeah, they probably want Uyghur. Yeah, both but, teams have, have not done great no, either. But, but like, they like, like Matthew Kachuk is one of the best players now, and he's, he's definitely shown that he's consistent. Which was the big yeah. th- the thing was is that like wait why did the 
why did the Flames get more for Huberdo or something like that? But, um, but yeah, so it, it's 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 interesting because like yeah, the Maddie, Maddie Kachuk is worth it, I guess, but it's just yeah, <laughs> I guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with my choice in terms of teams that yep. need to do something. I think it'll be still tough, but I think they can do something as opposed to Florida. And I just mentioned them when I was talking about Meyer, Toronto. Yep. Uh, again, they've been going for those short-term, low-key, silent killer type of guys that they're hoping in the playoffs can show up in big moments. For whatever reason, it hasn't put them over the top. They need to swing for a big fish. Timo Meyer, Jonathan Taves, I yep. don't care. Get a big name. Get the scoring power so you can get past the heavyweights because you're probably going to have the toughest road to yep. the Stanley Cup Finals if you want to go on a deep run, and you need an extra weapon there. So, yeah, Toronto for me is the team that needs to do something. Yep. Um, and then lastly, what team are you curious about the most? Um, I'm going to cheat with this answer a little bit because I'm going to list uh, multiple teams. I've already mentioned like the Metropolitan teams um, because of this Bohor yeah. trade. Um, I'm curious to see what what like, what like kind of upgrades all these teams do. So the Caps, the Penguins, the Rangers, the Devils, and the Hurricanes. Yeah. But I will say I am actually really curious about what the Bruins, the Hurricanes, the Stars, and the Kraken do. Those are all your division leaders at this moment. Um, and so I'll say for the Bruins, it's interesting because, of course, they're on a historic run right now. Um, they did lose the two of their last three games. Uh, the first two, like losing streak of the season, uh, which is incredible that it took them that long. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they battle through adversity as much as they can. Um, but so I was thinking, like, even before this, it's like, what do you really need to improve on if you're the Bruins? It's like, yeah, you do have, uh, like, like, you could just always add some depth pieces, but it's like, what are you, like, you know, when you have Taylor Hall on your third line, do you really have, like, do you need more depth? Um, so so I, I guess you could always add more depth. I hope Lee Sell is not traded, but I can totally understand if they do end up trading him because the Bruins are basically like half of the team next year is going to be free agents, especially Bergeron and Krejci. I imagine this is going to be Bergeron and Krejci's last year, so you have to like give it your last try. Um, so does that mean that you necessarily, because of that, does that mean that you have to like trade Lee Sell? Um, because he's by far their best prospect in order to get something done and, and like almost like guarantee that you know make your team even more stronger that's something that I'm not sure about but I could totally like it will definitely hurt me <laughs> or hurt like uh, like us in the future but uh, but I, I wouldn't blame the Bruins if they end up doing that in throwing uh, Fabian Liesel in some trade stuff. So I am curious about that situation, um, not just because I'm a Bruins fan. Uh, the Hurricanes are interesting, as you were alluding to, because of their defense situation, the goaltending stuff. They're kind of sellers. They're kind of buyers. Um, but they, they could... I feel like every team is basically making trades just to keep up with the Bruins. And I'm not sure. And so, <laughs> like, the Bruins don't even really need to do anything because 
they've been pretty good so far, but um, we'll see. The Dallas Stars are interesting uh, just because they um, they could probably use some help, more depth, um, but um, especially at forward. Um, but but yeah, I, I'd be curious to see if they're in on a lot of these different players. But we didn't even mention them um, in any of these these targets. Um, and the Kraken um, are also going to be an interesting team because this is their first year that they're going to be pretty good. Um, it's unclear though, like how serious. I know Maddie Beniers is injured. It's unclear, like if if Maddie Beniers is gone, I feel like unfortunately the Kraken might start to slide um, for for a long time. So I'll be curious to see if they decide to do something else with with the um, with their uh, with what they've been able to do so far. Um, for their season so yeah all four of the division leaders are going to be an interesting situation right now did i lose you steve yeah oh there you go uh, as long as they don't trade a first a second a third for thomas tatar him on my radar yeah 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 that's true uh, yeah yeah I, I was just saying, uh, as long as the, the Kraken don't trade a first, a second, a third, yeah. they will be fine. Yes. Uh, my team, I've been harping on them all year, St. Louis Blues. Yep. And uh, I'll explain further. Vladimir Tarasenko, $7.5 million cap hit off the books this year. Uh, a few years ago, he sent in a trade request. I don't think he's revoked it. I think it's still on. And he'll probably get moved at some point. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly... Uh, currently injured, but obviously the captain of the St. Louis Blues also has a $7.5 million cap hit. He hasn't really had the best year, and it appears that he's on the decline at age 31. Uh, I would probably get the most value out of him. Well, I still can. He definitely has pedigree, could help a contender out. And Tarasenko, like I said, uh, in the past year and a half, he's been producing pretty well for the Blues. Um, so there's that. You also have Ivan Barbashev, who, despite his low point totals this year, last year had a pretty good year, $2.25 million coming off the books. I think they could get value for him. He's probably the ideal fringe top nine player that a lot of good playoff teams are looking for, so he should get uh, some calls. Um, you also have Bill Achari, uh, Josh Levo, Tyler Pitlick, Nico Mikola, Thomas Grice uh, as uh, pending UFAs. And uh, Scott Perunovich, who is currently injured and not playing hockey for the Blues due to that uh, season-ending injury way, way earlier in the year, he is an RFA. They'll probably keep him around. But needless to say, there are quite a few pieces that uh, are going to need new contracts. And I don't think necessarily keeping all of them is probably in the best interest. And here's why. You have a $6.5 million cap hit of Braden Shen that goes into the end of the 2027-2028 season. So that is four, uh, that is five more years beyond this year. Yikes. They also have three more years at $4.5 million for Brandon Saad. Uh, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas recently signed massive eight-year extensions with an $8.125 million cap hit. Those cap hits don't kick in until next year, so they have eight years of that beyond that uh, beyond this year. Uh, you also have a lot committed to your decor. Colton Pareko, fresh into a new contract that pays him $6.5 million. That ends uh, at the end of the 29th, uh, at the 2029-2030 20, season, a long ways away. 
that's when the contract expires at the end of that year. You have one, two, three, four more years of Justin Falk and Tory Krug at 6.5 million cap hits. You have Nick Letty, three more years at 4 million. Oh, and uh, that guy named Jordan Bennington, he's got five more years at 6 million. Good God. Actually, it's four, but still good God. <laughs> Uh, and Pavel Buchnevich has been pretty good, but uh, in t- uh, two and a half years, uh, that $5.8 million cap it could go up, assuming he continues to produce at this rate. So the reason I'm saying this is because back in, I think it was the 2017 trade deadline, they had some questions to answer. There was guys like Paul Stasny up for grabs. I think there was Kevin Shattenkirk up for grabs uh, as well. And uh, they ended up trading away some of those pieces. They did a quick retool on the fly, and they were able to bounce back from that, and they ended up being the regular season threats we all thought they could be again. And, hey, they even won a Stanley Cup. Look at that. Uh, If they don't get this shit sorted out, whether it's the coach, whether it's the players on the team, I don't know. I don't care. What I do know is in a couple of years, if the same problems persist, They'll be even in a much bigger hole than what they are in right now. So this trade deadline is a good time for Doug Armstrong to write the ship. I'm interested to see what he does. Yep, yep, good point. Uh, sorry for the long episode here. We're at two hours and 15 minutes, so that's fun. Um, I'm a little sorry on my part. Yeah, no, it's all right. I, I should have planned this better. It's okay. Um, it, it, it goes to show. It goes to show you the unpredictability of this uh, trade cycle yeah, of for sure. who could extend to what. We didn't even get to Pasternak, which I'm sure he will at some point. Yep. But there's just a lot of what ifs, what the possibilities that could happen. So yep. the next month, it's probably going to be. We say it every time. It's going to be unpredictable and thrilling to watch. I I think this could be one for the record books though. Yep. Uh, in, so you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, I guess some house cleaning notes here, uh, next week, um, it won't be, uh, like, uh, cause we're recording on Tuesday due to the Super Bowl, Um, and I'm busy on Monday night. So, um, we're going to be recording on Tuesday, so we'll probably get the next episode's going to be on Wednesday. So I guess th- that is some good news that it's going to be ten days before the next episode is out, um, and I am sure a lot will happen within that that time frame. Um, so yeah, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up, um, although I don't think we update the Facebook anymore. Um, So that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and hopefully one of those items that we talk about next week in episode 352 of the Lace Mouth Podcast is a David Pasternak contract extension. We'll talk about Fingers crossed.